Hello, and welcome to a, another edition of WNK, the weekly AEW News Kick. We're a, we're a threesome again. We're uh, we're all back together. First off, big... I was going to say hello in German, but then I remembered it's the same. A big hello to, uh, to my Deutschland friend, Patrick. Hello, Patrick. That's how they say hello in Germany. Some scooter! Yes, that's how they say hello in Germany. Sorry, how, how could I have been so so silly? And a big welcome back, because I don't think... Were you on the last one? Maybe you were. Maybe you weren't. We're on the last one, and I'm just... Hi, anyway, he's here. Hi, Jack. Hi, Tom. Yeah, I was on the last one. I was on oh, the last one. So I just, yeah. It's just wishful thinking that you wouldn't be. <laughs> yes, hello, hello. <laughs> Tired and drained, but here. <laughs> Tired and drained. I think that sums us all up. It's been a bit of a, a bit of a tricky one getting this recorded this week, but we're doing it late. But we're doing it. That's the most important thing. Outwork everyone. How's everyone's week been? So far, so good. Today, I fixed the drift on my Joy Cons on the Switch. Just for everyone out there, get some contact cleaners, and you can you can repair this pretty pretty weak. Uh, constructing no construction not engineering i would say engineering quotation marks if you have a switch but that was my highlight so far <laughs> once again this is the boring nintendo switch uh pre-all construction podcast <laughs> <laughs> i'm just messing it's fascinating stuff really i i couldn't do it I couldn't, fascinating uh, right i couldn't take apart stuff how about you jack anything anything fun in your world anything fun i'm moving flat on saturday which means Actually, it doesn't Don't mean... Don't cock-teasing us and bloody do it. <laughs> well, well um, I just Every thought... time you come on, I'm moving flat. I'm moving flat. <laughs> well, I think the next episode after this will be the last one in this flat, which is exciting. Um, so, yeah, then that's kind of what I'm prepping for. Other than that, I've got other work I'm doing with other radio stations that I've volunteered for. Um, but, yeah, just life seems to just be rinse and repeat at the moment. But pubs are still open. Well pubs are open anyway um so that's the best part well i attended a virtual meet and greet with marvelous mark miro aka uh wild man mark miro aka johnny b bad so i had for once i've had a much more interesting week than either of you <laughs> cleaning your uh although patrick you did go to that volcano again you love yeah right saturday evening i was at the volcano but just like you know patrick's in a thing civil partnership with a volcano <laughs> <laughs> Um, Actually, it was uh, good. We we left like because two hours later, the volcano started stopping uh, the eruption, like the steady eruption, and then started spitting up like uh, three hundred meters high, and so (laughs) you could see it from here. (laughs) Jeez, that's erotic. Yes, yes. Twenty twenty is not (laughs) over yet. (laughs) Yeah, I I see the appeal. Sexy. Um, Yeah, though, Mark Mirror, he's a really nice guy. He's a bit before Jack's time. He's a bit before our time, really, but. I remember him when I was younger with his boxing gimmick. Uh, I think I, saw, I must have seen him in the Attitude Era. If not, I've seen him watching since and, and his old matches. So, yeah, he's a good dude. Nice. By the way, Tom, how's your new fridge doing? I heard that you have a new fridge. Yeah. We're boring bastards, aren't we? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you, you brought it on point in the last podcast episode. It's like the, you just get when you're when you're a grown up, when you're really happy, when you get like a new fridge or, or <laughs> a dishwasher. Or so that's just the highlight of your life for a few weeks. <laughs> so true. So true. She's she's doing well. She has to, uh, she oh, has to, that's nice. She, uh, she has to put up with a lot because... 
Yeah, okay, when it's a she, I don't know what you're gonna put in there, but let's change the subject better. <laughs> let's. I mean, okay. It's meat. So, 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 yeah, a lot. Meat. So aside from uh, okay, fuck my fridge and Patrick uh, sexualizing volcanoes, <laughs> we actually have other stuff to talk about, namely wrestling. So let's launch into some breaking news. Big news coming out of Triple A, uh, the Reyes de Reyes, a Andrade will be challenging Kenny Omega for the Mega Championship. Big, big news. Big, big news. Uh, who's excited? Jackie, are you excited? I'm, I'm very excited, yeah. I saw it and I was like, oh my God. Because especially he's had that title for a while now, but he's not really defended it a lot recently obviously they don't really defend those titles because in triple r and lucha in general the masks are more important than the titles really the titles are kind of an afterthought so um i, I know i know i think kenny has probably defended it more than most more than phoenix did when phoenix had it so yeah that was gonna be but, really cool yeah gives them a reason to have a match doesn't it exactly and in addition to this they are launching federation wrestling uh, which there's going to be some AEW talent going down there. I know Tay Conti um, and Red Velvet heading down there. That'll have Andrade on the card as well. They're facing some guys from uh, Ring of Honor, like PJ Black and uh, Matt Taven. Uh, <laughs> Matt Taven. Um, and uh, PJ Black and Taven are going to be inviting some Ring of Honor friends with them for their eight-man tags. So a lot of... Uh, Rumours swirling that it will be the Briscoe brothers because they were quite big when they were down in Mexico. I don't know whether they were in CMML or AAA, but um, also they're thinking maybe we're thinking maybe there'll be a um, an Li well not Lij because that's they have on a Los Ingobernables reunion maybe in that main event. There was another big match I'm trying to think of from that from that thing. Um, Lucha Brothers. Uh, Penta and Phoenix will be facing Bandido and Dragon Lee, I think. That's just off the top of my head. So that is a that's a big old lucha match. Um, excited for Federation Wrestling, uh, Patrick, and how likely are you to kind of get in at the ground floor and keep up with it? I don't know how much I will keep up with it, but I'm go definitely going to uh, have an eye on it. As well as on the uh, Kenny versus uh, Andrade match, that was quite a huge surprise for me, to be honest, like when, when I read about it. Uh, but I definitely, definitely will watch it. Like uh, last year, I also watched the Triple Mania uh, event, like a bit from it. Definitely the Kenny match, but uh, like the event in general was was quite interesting, as I always find it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's always always, interesting. yeah, always interesting and always interesting to watch the Botcha Mania uh, uh, episode after that event because <laughs> like the there's War very high quality. The Botcha Mania after Triple after Triple Mania. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, triple um, triple art. Well, triple art specifically triple mania is always uh, it's always really really good or car crash TV, but it's always watchable. So. Yeah, right. So it, there's no middle thing. Like no, like there's like really car crash, like really botching around and very bad technique, but also like on the other hand, super top high level like lucha stuff was it, there, which is was awesome. it triple mania where one year um, Aerostar. Uh, did like a Tope Con Hilo or something over the rope 
and went over the barricade and yeeted himself into like the CEO's wife or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think like, it was wiped there. Her out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, la- last year, I think last year somebody landed also on his head while doing yeah. a torpe suicida. Was, and, didn't someone? Yeah. Didn't someone like nearly die from a brick or something at Triple Mania? <laughs> yeah, also. And somebody yeah. flew off the ceiling also. They want to do, yeah, he wanted to do a spot like from, from a thing like which was hanging from the ceiling, completely missed. Like three or four people were standing there. He was supposed to dive in, completely missed them and <laughs> went directly to the ground. So yeah, that's, that's also Triple Mania. Jack, you love Lucha, so you should probably be watching Triple Mania. That's like I do love Lucha. Lucha. So, yeah, yeah might, might check it out, might check it out get on that shit right we are here for a reason and that is to talk about AEW. so let's do that and launch into our review of dynamite first off we had hangman page versus brian cage little little rhyme and a little alliteration for us there that's rhyming not alliteration isn't it Regardless, we start off with uh, Team Taz attacking Hangman as he comes out. And uh, then Dark Order come out and even the odds. Cage powerbombs Page. Oh, this is going to be fun. Cage powerbombs Page <laughs> on the ramp. Um, I'll, I'll do my whole play-by-play now and then come to you. Uh, the um, match officially starts and Cage starts dominating. Hits a nice belly-to-belly. Series of shoulders in the corner before he hits a... I think I think it's an Enziguri. It might have a different name in the corner, to be honest. A um, Gomengiri or something like that. In anyway, uh, another big belly to belly goes outside, and Cage sends Page into the barricade twice. Drops him back first onto the apron, and again on the floor. Back in the ring for a two count. Cage does uh, curls with Hangman. You know, like he picks him up and kind of <laughs> starts uh, doing bicep curls, and then. Um, I think that was when he hit a fallaway slam after that, and then a standing moonsault. I think I've seen him do this kind of combo before, but Page reversed the standing moonsault. I think he got his knees up. Uh, Page goes to his buckshot position, but gets stopped by a super kick. Uh, Cage hits a suplex from the outside of the ring into the ring, showing off his uh, his big strength. Hangman escapes a hold and dodges a clothesline, takes the action back outside. Cage gets his head spiked into the post, and Hangman hits a nice Arihara moonsault. Um, brings him back in for the buckshot lariat, but it is reversed into an F5 double power bombs, then a drill claw, and then a surprise upset, some would say. And Cage gets the pin. Jack, were you were you shooketh at this? I was, yeah. I kind of... I'm in split minds behind it, because I'm like, okay... Hangman was number one, and we we obviously made predictions on the podcast that the storyline be he then got to face Kenny at double or nothing, um, lose, and then I don't be believe like another. I, ever, I don't. Well, actually, no, you're right. I do yes, believe that. Sorry, stop, I'll stop shut, trying to make out you're better than us. <laughs> <laughs> I am. You're not, you're not better than us, and you know it. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still holding the fact that I predicted every single match of <sighs> that AW inaugural tag tournament over your head. Just saying, you go, right. private party beating the Young Bucks. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but I also like the fact that AEW aren't scared to pull out these surprise wins, like because this was a surprise win, even though you know it it wasn't a shock shock win, like oh my god, this would never have happened. But like you were surprised because of the the way the way they were building Hangman up. But nonetheless, it happened, and I kind of like it, and I'm kind of intrigued to see what happened because I just watched Being the Elite today, actually, 
Um, bear in mind, listeners, that we're recording this on Monday due to technical difficulties. So um, if, our, if our recollection of what happened isn't as up to scratch, it's because it has been five days since the episode. But... Um, Oh, I, I've just rewatched it today. Oh, is, fair enough. Professional. <laughs> well, I watched Being Elite anyway, and um, Dark Order did a little bit where they were obviously saying about how everyone, like everyone, in Dark Order has been like losing recently and all this kind of stuff. And they said about Hangman, they were like, he was number one contender as well. He didn't even get his title match and stuff. And they basically said, next time he's number one contender, they won't let him down. That sort of thing. They'll be there to like help him. Um, so that was kind of a nice little insight. And I, from what I took from that, it's obviously that there is going to be another kind of resurgence of hangman this time with dark order feeling like feeling a bit guilty that they weren't there i guess to kind of support him they could but i think you know um so that's an interesting take a little strand to the story which um you know wasn't necessarily needed but accompanies it well and you know it does move it along but in terms of the match surprise victory for brian cage interested to see where he goes with it um and this will be another hangman resurgence story i believe well, to everyone who has any complaints about it, I see people saying this shouldn't have happened, this should have happened. They're trying, you know, blah blah blah, protecting this guy, blah blah blah. Like he shouldn't, have, he won so clean. But like, what do you want though? Do you want like a product where every match is something you can predict? Do you know what I mean? Do you want to like tune into Dynamite and you've got this idea of how it should be in your head, and then everything kind of conforms to the ideas you have for it in your head? Like, where's the fun in that? You know, where's the exactly. fun in a product you can just predict? So I do like, I do like them throwing in unpredictability when it makes sense and i think this is like the the definition of it being unpredictable is that like you as a smart can't didn't see it coming do you know what i mean and as a, as a smart as a smart yeah, i know it's a bit of a derogatory term but a smart mm-hmm. mark or whatever you know um the smart fans didn't see it coming so you know and and the 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 trick is finding finding surprises you can put into a very kind of in the know crowd which rest you know wrestling especially AEW fans are now and still having it make sense and i think this does and i think it kind of shakes off some of the some of that darby allen feud stank that's on brian cage mm. still um and i like that and i you know it, it just got me more interested in seeing more brian cage which is something i you know didn't think they'd be able to do but not at least not that quickly but a victory of a hangman page seems to have done it patrick do you have anything to add I was also surprised and I didn't see that coming, but I, I liked that uh, surprise a lot. Uh, because like like Jack said, I also was thinking, ah, when will Kenny and Hangman meet? But now it's good that he lost, so it, it, it would it would not make any sense. Keeps to him out of the title picture already. for a while, didn't it? Yeah, right. Keep that out a little bit. Maybe keep that. Maybe getting off and getting to the to the TNT title, maybe or anything like that. And let's just like develop it also with the Dark Order. What's happening there? So, just give it some time. Then uh, also like when the crowd is back, the the uh, mark out will be way bigger and the crowd screaming. And so that's that's way cooler than doing it so early. And what I also like is um, giving Brian Cage a win now. Uh, putting him in a uh, different uh, perspective again, also with all the um, how this whole feud within Team Taz comes upon. Now this is uh, yeah, this is interesting to see. Maybe he will split from them because he's also better from them than them. He doesn't need them because there was well, no direct interference where he needed them. Now he made a clean win, which was interesting. So. That that is a very good point actually, and someone hadn't really considered that 
him not needing them to win and winning clean kind of links up to something that happens later on a uh, a little interview moment between Taz and Christian Cage which we'll we shall get to also can I quickly just add though because obviously mentioning that yeah, go on. if I recall obviously um, a month ago maybe when um, they were obviously this team Taz in a sort of feud started and we started seeing the cracks and Brian Cage obviously came out and complimented Sting and all this sort of thing what if yeah, that storyline develops Brian Cage tags in with um, Sting and Darby as like a crew and then you get a Darby and Brian Cage versus Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs match that'd be cool I mean, maybe for a week. I can't see them working on that together. <laughs> Brian, Gage, Brian Gage and Darby Allen. But yeah, sure. Next up, we had... God, I was going through something, wasn't I? I've written down on my notes, Don's bitches are in a limousine. I'm usually more <laughs> professional with my titles for segments. <laughs> the elite, I think, were in a, were in a limousine. Uh, Kenny says that they're used to numb nuts trying to take them down. Um, Mox hasn't phased them. Uh, with his kind of attack on their trailer and uh, Nakazawa accidentally leans on the horn and they all scream like girls because <laughs> they were obviously on actually even though they were pretending they were actually on edge about uh, about a potential mox attack um, I also liked at the beginning of this where they were like nine guys in a limousine does it get any better than that <laughs> yeah there's plenty of things better than that Jack you're a you're a big elite fan should we come to you for this uh, for this segmente yeah, I just I thought it was, an, it was a good segment. It was cool. It was funny. Um, and yeah, the more screen time we get at them, which is more kind of I don't know. The more I think they look badass. I I like it, and I'm I'm here for it. Um, and yeah, it didn't really do much storyline wise. It was just kind of I think it just adds showed them in a limo, which yeah. is good character <laughs> development. Good. And I just, I just like that comedic moment as well. But they're still they're still got like PTSD from last week. Um, hearing the horn and that sort of thing, and obviously it was, it was either it was one of the good brothers that had the highest pitched screen. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, it'd be funny if it was um, Gallows. That would probably be the one that'd be funnier, based on his size. But now nah, I thought it's cool, and obviously there's some more kind of like elite um, mocks kind of stuff coming up later. So we'll talk about them there. But overall, the segment, yeah, it was funny. It was it was worth having just for that base basis alone. Well, speaking of which, the Young Bucks from the Elite were taking on Matt and Mike Seidel next. Uh, shall we come to Patrick first? Uh, thoughts on this? I will just say they uh, came out in their third trim gear. Nick sporting a particularly uh, garish headband. He had a fur trim headband on. And, uh, yeah, one thing that made me laugh was uh, how they mentioned that uh, the Young Bucks were having, I think Tony Schwann said, oh, look at this change in attitude. They're making people pick up their streamers. I was like, imagine uh, Todd Sinclair, the referee for Ring of Honor. I was like, first time? Like that, you know, that uh, that meme where, where they're in the uh, hangman's noose. Like, is this your first time here? Like, <laughs> he had to do that like every week when they were on Ring of Honor and people threw all the uh, all the streamers, streamers into the ring at them. Uh, yeah, we had Don Callis on commentary for this. What did you think of 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 this match yeah i liked it a lot um what stood out to me what i want to point out also is the <laughs> the the splits attempt from first of all it was i, I don't know if it's matt or mike Seidel, and then i think it was matt jackson who did a split like johnny cage from model combat to strike him in the balls well, that was that was quite that, interesting actually they actually the finishers match we're getting way ahead of ourselves but the finish of this match tony Schiavone said 
uh, I won't won't spoil it, but a uh, uh, he someone hits a move and he's like he's like like uh, like Johnny Cage from Mortal Kombat. Did you not notice that? Yeah, I noticed that, and which is also interesting a because Mortal movie coming up. Yeah, it's product exactly, place. exactly, and it and it belongs and it belongs to TNT slash Warner, uh, yeah. Warner Brothers. Time now, Time Warner is not anymore. Is it Time Warner? I don't know anymore. But yeah, the big the big whole thing HBO, Time Warner, whatever. We will probably also see another uh, Rick and Morty advertisement when the next season hits next month. In it, so yeah. I like the match a lot. Was not the best match. Um, yeah, <laughs> to be There's honest, a lot I of cannot recall. To be fair, wasn't there? Yeah, right. I cannot recall any particular spot because when I just think of it, there were a lot of spots. Like, it's, yeah, it's it was going back and forth. They get so much, so many spots in that you don't remember all the spots. Yeah. any of the spots because they yeah, all kind right. of like, into like so many of them. Yeah, right. The, the only thing that really stood out to me, which I can recall now, is the split and the Johnny Cage move. <laughs> that was, that was, but that was also awesome for me because I like that. But also um, the Bucks now, like, like their first class pricks, which is, I, I <laughs> love that so much now. This is, this is so much more uh, character than just being the faces and the good guys and, ah, oh, Kenny, what's going on with you? Like, they're now so pricks i love that they're so over the top with their shitty outfits and how they're behaving and also treating um their shoes as well yeah right their shoes and also how they're treating now um brenton cutler as a young lion and that stuff that's it's just that's great entertainment and i love to hate them now that's that's really good okay well i will uh give a little bit of a rundown as i'm I'm with you there was so much going on i couldn't even keep it all down but uh yeah so as i say they uh they came out it the first few minutes went really well for the sidel brothers actually with a lot of flashy moves um that was until matt jackson sneakily tagged himself in uh and strutted around the ring like a peacock <laughs> um there was uh Corner isolation on Mike during the break, as is as is tradition. Um, Nick hit a big running kick along the apron and then started bragging to the camera. Um, this this I had a little bit of a problem with this bit. Um, Matt and Nick switched places and uh, like they did like twin magic, like the Bella Twins in WWE. And Rick Knox recognized it, but then let it go, <laughs> and then he didn't make them tag back out. I was like. What? Yeah, I also recognised that when when that happened. Yeah, it was so it weird, was weird for me that Rick Knox was like, yeah, he was like, you switched, and they showed him acknowledging it, and then he just didn't enforce the rules. It's like, what the fuck are you here? <laughs> yeah, that, that unfortunately undermines the critique of some AEW yeah. uh, critics that they are not playing with the rules or not obeying the rules so much. So in this case, I have to say, okay, that was weird. Yeah, um, yeah, no, but that yeah, that was very weird. Uh, there was a nice kind of leaping hurricanrana from Matt, I believe, Seidel on Nick before uh, Matt Jackson reversed his his next one. He kind of went for a second thing and he slipped out. Uh, Matt Seidel was hitting some sort of some hitting chops, I believe, on Matt Jackson when he ended up getting a move reverse into a Meltzer driver setup, but uh, he fought both of them off, and we ended up with stereo meteoras from the Seidel brothers. Uh, it was a really close two, a nice, actually it was probably a, there was a, before that there was a really nice double hurricane runner from, I believe, Matt Seidel on the Young Bucks. He hit a, like, one leg for each of them. Very nice stuff. Um, 
Then the match ended with a again. There was lots of flashy stuff we didn't we didn't and can't cover here because there was so much. It was a it was a real. Uh, Jack will probably remember some stuff because he's a big fan of these kind of matches. Put a lot of pressure on him now, though, for something he said he's not got. Now nah, getting there, shaking head. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but we can remember how it ended. It ended with a low blow, which um, <laughs> Tony Schiavone jarringly said, "Oh, Johnny Cage punch." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, come on, man!" Uh, and then I did actually notice it the first time. Actually, to be fair, in all fairness, uh, so it was quite subtle, I guess, or subtle for me because I'm a fucking idiot. Um, the low blow and then a BT trigger. Match over. Um, I'll, t- I'll tell you. I'll go into what happened after the match first, and then we'll come to Jack on that because you can talk about the whole thing then. Uh, SCU come out after the match. Uh, was this pacing like uh, like an animal? Frankie Kazarian is on the mic. He says the Young Bucks have changed, but their promise to disband after losing their match has not changed. Christopher Daniel said he's pissed because he was looking forward to wrestling his friends, but they are no longer his friends. They don't resemble his friends. In fact, they are bitches. Um, And tells them that when they, they being the Young Bucks, find their balls, SCU are going to take their titles and make the company a better place with, I quote, you assholes out of it. Jack... What? Yeah, I mean, give us your rundown of the uh, your thoughts of the whole match, the match as a whole, and the events afterwards. <clears throat> yeah, I'll do it in bits. So obviously, I'll do match first. Um, <laughs> to to my kind of disbelief, as being such a fan of the high flying match, I was not invested in this match. I I enjoyed it for the high flying bits, which obviously I've been known to be such a fan of on this podcast. But I just. I think it all spanned from when we did the podcast last week and we saw it on the card. We're like, why am Mike Sidell like facing the Young Bucks? Like, why is this happening? Yeah, I just immediately... And I, it makes me sad that I see their names and just immediately just switch off. I think it's because... Well, I think, I think it's also, like, quite indicative of you, kind of your wrestling taste maturing a little bit, that, that you know, lots of big spots... There's, there was a reason spot fest is sometimes used negatively, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, there's lots of big, impressive spots with very little else storytelling-wise going on, do you know what I mean? And yeah. that was always... They were always going to have an uphill battle with this because of the fact that, as you say, what what a matter Mike Seidel doing in this match, you know? Honestly, and don't get me wrong, from a wrestling point of view, it no, was a good impressive. Match. Yeah, it was a good match, but I just didn't... It just didn't really click for me. Um, it wasn't It wasn't Bucks versus uh, Pack and Phoenix, as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then the, the aftermath of it, um, yeah, that was cool. I think, like we said on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, we knew SCU was coming for that title match, um, and we've made our predictions for that. I don't want them check. to, because I don't want them to lose. But we've made predictions for what might happen in previous episodes, so go and make sure you check them out on our Spotify, YouTube, and all streaming platforms, um, wherever basically you listen to us now. Um, go check them out, because that's a good little segment where we talk about that. Um, but there's no point repeating it, because well. Well, I do it twice. Um, but now, but it's, it's cool. And you know it's going to be a sick match. It's going to be an emotional match as well. Um, potentially a farewell match. Um, but it's going to be cool, and it's coming. And I'm going to be intrigued to see it, because I think it would be interesting to see how the Bucks react in that match. Because, obviously, if they were face, then facing SU, it would be a lot more kind of like, you know, respectful kind of thing. But I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how they do it as heel in that match, I am. Um, but it's going to be cool. And... Um, Hopefully it happens maybe double nothing. I think that'd be a suitable place for them to do it a little bow bow out match um as for SEU. 
it would be fitting with double or nothing being a w's first kind of pay-per-view as well um you know that being where i see you and their careers together at least maybe the winding down of christopher daniels career i think frankie Zarin will be keep going singles but christopher daniels people are kind of speculating may take more of a back backstage role next up. up we had jesus <laughs> christ i was going to come to you next on this as well i might not now fucking make me jump out of my skin uh, next up we had a jade cargill promo she says how she doesn't want a manager taking a cut um and anyone who wants to sign her has to impress her because she's that bitch um as she ca- as they came out of the promo jr again this is this is tom's weekly bitch about jay cargill um I, I don't hate her. I think she's really impressive, but like they're putting the cart before the horse. Listen to this. JR said she's the hottest free agent he's possibly ever come across in his entire career and is a very special main eventer. Main eventer? She's had like two matches on Dynamite and like only one of them like ran a. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's I crazy know to she's me. shacking like, in but... the background stuff. <laughs> Shack. Um, no, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's just crazy to me that like. Um, this is what I mean. For all the shit that WWE gets about, um, about you know, Vince is in Michael Cole's ear or whoever's in Michael Cole's ear and telling the announcers what to say. The announcers AEW have been told to say Big J Cargill up like the fucking nobody else on the brand. You know what I mean? Like just go nuts. Like she's like she's good. She's good. She's not like fucking you know. F- female Bret Hart yet like do you know what I mean it's like it's like just just slow your roll a little bit you know like you're really you like I, I would like her naturally I just don't like being told who to like I'm like a petulant child and so are a lot of wrestling fans um Patrick yeah uh thoughts on this promo where this is going uh with like you know they're again they're coming to the the managers thing I think it might have been said on a previous I don't know if we mentioned it on a previous podcast or whether we just spoke about about it that maybe you know they'll they'll build up this whole thing until some other people that may have been recently released from other companies could debut and join her um yeah thoughts on where this is going jade cargill as a whole etc etc did you just say jade cargill as a whole or as a whole? <laughs> jade cargill as a whole god that would be that would be really okay, unprofessional passive like i may not i may not be a fan of the push but imagine if i was just slipping in <laughs> <laughs> somewhere this was going uh jake i'm the editor in chief this week so this will stay inside <laughs> yeah so i'm 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 honestly just waiting that like when she always has this super boring shit that somehow like uh, the pussycat doll song i don't need a man plays in the background like i really don't care if you have a manager or not if you're in a women's stable or anything if they want to make her big just let her wrestle and win matches and right show what she got like, like you know like she she needs to show that and not like these promos i really don't care let the wrestling do talking there's there's exactly there's a saying in in writing like script writing and stuff which obviously you know we don't like a lot of scripts and creative like wwe have a big council of writers that can't fucking write themselves out of a paper bag but there is a saying that's like show don't tell do you know what i mean so show us she's the best don't tell us she's the best and i'm not seeing she's the, i can't i can't objectively kind of see that she's this main eventer that the best that jr's ever seen that he's talking about when i haven't seen it maybe he has do you know what i mean but i've seen some slow motion vignettes of her you know 
thrown herself about a ring in front of Shaq and then I've seen a couple of squash matches uh, and a kind of you know a, a tag team match which fair enough she did shine but it was a big gimmick match sort of thing it wasn't really a gimmick match but it had Shaq and it was basically a gimmick match you know and they got the weapons out and yeah um Oh, yeah, I just just show me some matches with her. Do you know what I mean? Just put her get put her in a match that lasts more than five minutes, and let me let us all be the judge. Next up, we had Orange Cassidy versus Penta El Zero Miedo. Um, Penta comes out looking like Donnie Darko. Um, and we had a little uh, video uh, as he as they made them way down to the ring. Him and Alex Abrahantes, um, and. Uh, he does his whole Penta says shtick and says a really corny line. I thought about how um, how last week they introduced Trent to a, a good friend called Mike. Get a microphone because they hit him with a microphone. <laughs> <sighs> um, yeah, let's uh, let's come to Patrick. Patrick, what did you think of this match? I really loved the match. Like this was a classic Orange Cassidy finally again. Especially with the startup, like in between both of them, like the, the start, like uh, uh, Penta taking off slowly his gloves and throwing it out of the ring, and that, that was just cool. And Orange Cassidy throwing the sunglasses out of the ring into into Trent's uh, uh, corner. <clears throat> that was really good. That was classy. I think he was like supposed little, to catch that, they, but... they got the time. Uh, he was supposed to, but he was laughing at that he didn't catch it. That was really cool, and also the pacing of the match, the moves shown, and everything great. The only thing I really disliked was the interruption, like really close to the end, by Alex Abrahantes again, which was completely unnecessary. I think they just wanted to squeeze in that I just, Orange I Cassidy think... can take the mic and and hit yeah. Penta with it, but I don't know. I I really hate how I really hate this thing with I. Okay, this I love. I love AEW. Obviously, I wouldn't do an AEW podcast if I didn't love AEW. And they 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 come up with some gold. Penta says, I love. Do you know what I mean? I love the whole Penta says thing. I'm not a fan of them trying to shoehorn it in awkwardly to things. Like, like this thing they're doing where he interrupts and he goes, Penta said before the match, like he wanted me to tell you before the match during the match that Penta says. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's just awkwardly jamming it in. Like, just, just you know, have it as... In, when you interrupt people, you don't, you know, you don't have just, do you know what I mean? Like, make it like, excuse me, with uh, Vicky Guerrero, do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to just have them cutting people off on promos and stuff, I think, anyway. Um, yeah, sorry. Do, do you have anything else more to say about this, or should I give us a play-by-play of it? No, that's, that's fine so far. Like, I also agree with that, that they shouldn't overdo it. In the beginning, it's like, before the match, it's, it's a great uh, idea for promo and but when when he's interrupting he shouldn't like really talk into the mic all the time he should like maybe just have a mic and attack the people or distract the people but not saying like Peter says your mom sucks it's like yeah dude <laughs> yeah you could have said that this in spanish like, yeah. you could have guessed that doesn't really ma- it doesn't really matter so but like i said Puta the match madre. really awesome and uh, uh that was really uh, yeah almost my highlight of the show mm-hmm. So we started off with Pinta taunting, doing the Sierra Miedo taunt. He uh, stops Orange Cassidy putting his hands in his pockets a couple of times. Then, as you say, Orange Cassidy took his shades off and Trent missed the catch. Trent missed the catch. (laughs) 
uh, OC somehow hits an arm drag with his hands still in his pockets. Uh, Tilt World Backbreaker stops him in his tracks, but then he gets back into the thing and kind of smiles as he has Penta. It wasn't really a headlock. He just had his arm around his shoulders, but kind of posed with his thumbs up. But Penta bit his way out by biting OC's thumb, only to be caught in a crucifix pin for a two. Orange Cassidy gets caught on the dive. He goes for a suicide dive and Penta catches him. It's uh, quite impressive, actually. I don't see it a lot. Uh, Penta then sends him down into the apron, throws him back in the ring, and locks in a submission. Cassidy battles out, but uh, is thrust back down. Penta whips Orange Cassidy into the turnbuckle, hits double Gomagiris, uh, goes for a third. Um, the OC battles out for a crossbody and a tornado DDT attempt, or maybe just a twist and DDT attempt, and that's what you call it. Gets reversed into a brain buster and a two count again for Penta. Uh, Casty battles back with the punches before eating a sour powerbomb for another near fall. Um, Penta goes to the arm breaker attempt, but Orange Casty reverses it by putting his hand in, in his pocket, possibly my spot of the whole match. I love that. Uh, Casty and Penta trade thrust kicks until Penta catches OC in midair with a, with a kick and it hits the destroyer. Goes for the package pile driver, but it's reversed for a beach break. Penta kind of you see he's losing his temper now and is angrily beating down Cassidy in the corner Cassidy reverses a suplex or brain buster we didn't really see it go through so we can't be sure into a stun dog millionaire then a diving DDT spinning DDT and a kick out um, Alex Abrahantes as uh, Patrick said at this point interrupted with his Penta says bit um, but OC whips him into the ring. He obviously drops the mic into the ring. Package uh, pile driver gets reversed, and uh, OC hits the orange punch with the mic for the win. And Trent puts the shades back where they belong on Orange Cassidy's face. Jack, thoughts on this match? Yeah, I've not got too much to say compared to what you guys said. I just wanted to have the. I just thought it was a really fun match. Like, it was a really yeah, really fun. nice, light-hearted kind of moment in AW where, you know, it's just enjoyable. And as Patrick said, it's nice to see OC back in sort of like a typical OC match. Uh, but obviously not as like the early OC where obviously it was like really lazy stuff, but like he still was like lazy at the start. Do you know what I mean? That sort of thing. It wasn't wasn't like the Jericho sort of feud. Where it was a bit Slough more. Style. Yeah, it wasn't like Jericho feud where he turned it up a notch and was like actually wrestling. He still had that OC kind of, style to it um yeah really fun match enjoyed it and i'm enjoying the feud between penta and it seems like best friend but i'm hoping obviously once well now pack and ray phoenix have had their title match hopefully they'll come into the story now and it'll be more of a faction versus faction kind of warfare I, I would like that one could hope that could that could be the first um go can you imagine if they introduced the six-man titles for that as the first match like wouldn't know which way it was going to go because they they would both deserve it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Next up, we had Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, being interviewed by her very good friend, Tony Schiavone. Uh, Britt says she never lies. She's top. Have a look. She did not lie. Uh, she's top of the rankings. Um, I think she threw a bit of shade at the rankings because she said the profound, respected, logical wins-loss rankings. Or maybe less shade and more her just being super healed because she's criticized it before and now she's like now she's number one she's like oh the, it's profound it's logical it's it's respected um sort of AEW sort of addressing their own kind of flaws really in the uh in the ranking system she uh said 
you know, obviously, obviously it's building towards a Sheeda thing, and she said Sheeda later, which I, I thought was hilarious, um, and got Tony Shivani to do the DMD uh, finger with her and Reba, not Rebel, Rebel, not Reba. I've forgotten. <laughs> Patrick, uh, I mean, I know, I know, she's your your favourite Jack, but I'm going to come to Patrick. Patrick, thoughts on this little bit here, and you looking forward to seeing Britt Baker versus Sheeda, which we can, I mean. I mean, I'm assuming that's what's going to happen at Double or Nothing, but we don't know. I am actually uh, expecting to have a triple threat match together with um, Thunder Rosa, because when you look at the standings, Thunder Rosa is just one uh, victory behind, and if um, Thunder Rosa would compete against Britt Baker, they would uh, tie their uh, current standing, like their, their current score, and they would be both number one contenders and then having a triple threat match which we didn't have yet like there was no title match yet which was a triple threat either in in men's nor uh, women's competition would be something really nice they could do at uh, are you sure we didn't have one are you sure we didn't have a women's uh, triple threat involving Rio um, Nyla Not Rose a title and match. somebody else sure okay well, I, 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 think think Patrick, I don't think there was no no I think it might no, have been no, before the title was introduced yeah yeah, yeah, there m- might have been some uh, uh, triple threat matches, but like I said, no title match, and this would be really cool, like playing into that, uh, yeah, the whole Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker feud uh, during the week, uh, Thunder Rosa said she was uh, infected with COVID-19, uh, like she was out for two or three weeks then, I guess, yeah, maybe this also influenced now on the NWA situation where she's now booked for the shows there again, or at her main job, maybe <laughs> not her side job, AW. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm I'm just just waiting for it. I just want more women's wrestling in it, and I'm also very curious. Uh, later, uh, Chris Deadlander will also have her next match. Um, the women's division is looking very good, and they need more screen time after the very good uh, tournament and Britt Baker versus. Um, what was the name again? Thunder Rosa. I'm really forgetful today <laughs> <laughs> with names. But uh, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. More women's wrestling because now we have a shitload of good women. Well, uh, yeah, no, I mean, just want to pick up on you saying about NWA being uh, um, Rose's kind of side hustle. If that's her side hustle. She's got side hustles on her side hustles because she actually, well, she does training, I believe. She's a trainer, but she also... Um, I don't know how you, how many people know this. She actually, you can, there's like a wrestling a wrestling federation. I think it's one kind of she owns, and you can book your own matches with their talent. So you like pay for however long a match you want. You pick the two wrestlers you want, or three or four wrestlers, and you uh, book your right. Own match you can book it yourself. Like, yeah, tell them right. what to wear and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that it's would have madness. been actually a cool. Shall we do a crowdfunding with the uh, with the listeners, <laughs> <laughs> so we can book our own WA and K match? <laughs> That'd be great. They could they could uh, they could they could hold up. They, I mean, one of them could be in the the Tom corner. The other could be in the Patrick corner. Sorry, Jack. Jack Jack can be the referee. We can get Bryce Remsberg in there. <laughs> You're a big fan. No, I don't. I don't think they've got AEW referees on call. I don't know who the referees are, but yeah. Next up, we had the the War Council, the Parlay, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the Pinnacle comes out to a pineapple chant. Um, the Inner Circle have an escort, not the kind you find in the back page of a dodgy magazine, the kind that 
takes you from one place to another. They had a motorcycle, a motorcade escort of presumably um, Chris Jericho's friends from Sturgis. <laughs> sure, uh, Sean Spears uh, swiped the mic out of Tony's hands as Tony was Tony Schiavone was trying to kind of lay down the rules for this debate, saying each person gets his amount of time. And Sean's like, "Fuck that!" Takes the mic off him, and that you know that idea gets killed in its infancy. Um, he demands he being uh, Sean Spears demands that Sammy looks at him. He tells Sammy that Jericho is going to lead him into deep water and he is the one who is going to step on his head while he's drowning. Some visceral imagery there. Sammy says that Spears has been a failure in both the companies he's been in uh, and is going to fail again and that he'll fight everybody. Uh, Cash gets his turn out and asks Santana Ortiz to please bring better versions of themselves than what we've seen recently. And uh, Dax says someone's career or life may be shortened. He's already briefed his family. He's ready to die. But uh, asks Santana and Ortiz to hold their kids and tell them they're not coming home. Brutal. <laughs> uh, Santana says that they've been locked up before and that he'll let his fist do the talking. And MJF gets on the mic for for the, the first of the two big ones says without Jericho there is no AW so he, he gives him his credit he thanks him and it says that he was the bridge uh, for the lapsed fan which is a uh, hot take really it's kind of a different different uh, angle than what he's going before going going at before where he was saying that Jericho was just latching himself onto people uh, people who were already over MGF says he must have so much pressure, him being Jericho, must have so much pressure having the company on his shoulders and that uh, he, Max, is going to put him out of his misery by taking his crown and taking that pressure for him. Jericho calls MGF, and I quote, a self-righteous, self-gratifying little prick. Uh, says he can't inherit a spot like he has inherited his trust fund. Uh, Jericho says he is proud to work for WCW because he was talking about MJF saying he was curtain jerking at WCW. I don't think he. I think he said he was curtain jerking at the Performance Center, but alas. And uh, he says he's already headlined around the world at that point. Um, Jericho stops Tully from cutting him off. Says you're not gonna. You know you're not gonna take this from me. Says that they, the inner circle of family, have been from day one. Uh, Hager had his back in Abu Dhabi in 2012 when he got assassination. Uh, threats, which was um, quite an interesting little tidbit. Uh, he obviously bigs up uh, Santana Ortiz and Sammy as well, and how you know mentions how MGF made Sammy quit. He's not going to quit again, and MGF will have to kill them to make them surrender. Really nice, passionate promo from Chris that kind of makes up for the week before when he had a bit of a bit of an off mm. time. Jack, would you like to give us some thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you took you. T the, you I say this, and you immediately think it's me shitting on you. I'm not because I like when you do. It. But obviously, you ran through the main points, so I've not got too much to add on terms of like the actual parlay. Yeah, I thought you need it was me cool. to, Mister. I don't remember anything <laughs> from Dynamite. <laughs> um, but no, I, I I liked it because you know it's again it's something different AEW haven't done before. Um, it's a different kind of take on like the usual promo getting them both in the ring they've obviously done debates and stuff like all this sort of stuff where they've had like the face-offs but it's just a nice other different take on it i don't think no matter the outcome next week of blood and guts this is the end of the pinnacle versus in a circle um i think we will get a future mjf versus chris jericho match with obviously more heat i do think as well i'm going to make an early prediction that pinnacle win next week purely because yeah, yeah i don't think they can put like 
they're obviously building this pinnacle up to be the shit. Um, and I don't think you could just beat them down that quickly when they've not had enough it's time it's to mo- show. It's, mom- it's momentum. Deep exactly. Man, kill their momentum, else they're just done for. Yeah. It's got to be um, the pinnacle. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting because obviously next week, I believe, is their biggest crowd they've got, they've had at Dynamite or at an AW event full stop since obviously COVID. Um, and it's in a circle going to be so hot. So I, I don't know how you kind of keep that inner circle face with the crowd, obviously wanting that, and also get the pinnacle, the win that realistically they're going to get. It's intriguing. I'm looking forward to it. Um, uh, But yeah, with this parlay, like I said, it was an interesting take. It was new. It was fresh. It's something AEW haven't done before. And I'd, I'd like to see it again if we have another sort of thing like this in the future. But it definitely worked with these two as well because, as I mentioned before, They've got such like-for-like characters um, in each faction where, you know, you can just pin them off one. Yeah, and it's just, I just think it works nicely. Considering it is such a big segment in the show and that it does lead into the kind of main event for next week, is there anything, any thoughts you have on this, Patrick? I'll come to you just quickly. Yeah, just no, nothing uh, big I want to add, just that I'm really looking forward to it. This will definitely also be like the end of the feud this is what these gimmick match- matches are made for <laughs> and i'm really curious to see two different takes uh, there jack, jack said it's definitely not the end of the feud and uh you've just said it's definitely going to be the end of the feud so yeah for me it's thanks off. If the, these gimmick matches are are definitely like uh, an end of a feud for me um but i'm curious to see what will happen then afterwards so definitely the inner circle w- might go in a different direction now since they turned uh, face. And um, but I also think, like Jake said, I think uh, that the Pinnacle will win because they they just need to win to make they their dominance to. to be that huge heel faction. But I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and I think it will be pretty brutal, <laughs> which I like. So that will be great. Next up, we well we didn't have a match. Uh, it was if Kenny got his way. It would have been Eddie Kingston versus Michael Nakazawa. Um, <laughs> oh man, I don't, I'm not even going to try and maintain my professionalism because this was this was great. But it pissed me off so much at how it's supposed to, right? Because like this was such an insult, right? Nak- uh, uh, Nakazawa was not only was it Kenny like saying, "Oh, all, all uh, Eddie Kingston is is good for is for fighting Nakazawa." Not only was <laughs> Nakazawa himself as uh, this is an appropriate uh, appropriate opponent for you. Not only was that an insult, but he was sat down in the ring in a chair <laughs> in his street clothes, not in his ring clothes, wearing a fucking headset and a lanyard. I was like, <laughs> "This is top tier heel stuff." Heel stuff, and they're finally making me. I was genuinely angry. I was just, like, I knew it was getting worked because I knew it was. I knew, you know, I know it's all, you know, I know it's a work, but it was just such good heel work that it genuinely got me pissed without any kind of effort needed on my part to kind of get pissed i was like oh this is this guy's a dick about <laughs> <laughs> omega um eddie refused to fight him he's like no nah, no nah, this is bullshit like what you're saying and calls out kenny omega um kenny omega comes out but then nakazawa hits eddie with his laptop from behind um kingston hits an exploder and a back fist on nakazawa and then he goes to break Nakazawa's ankle. Kenny then says, well, they've got more than one goon and calls out Brandon Cutler. <laughs> but uh, Mox has 
beaten Brandon Cutler up, and Brandon Cutler kind of comes out next to Kenny, like on his back, kind of inching his way, like saying no, no, no to somebody hidden in the dark. Obviously, it's Mox. Mox emerges and attacks Kenny from behind, um, and him and Eddie get Kenny in the ring and going to do the same thing to him. They're going to break his ankle with a chair, um, and Don comes out, begs him not to. They uh, Eddie asks Don for a match or break Kenny's ankle. Mox says they want Kenny and Nakazawa next week. So apparently that's set. One thing I did miss was um, when <laughs> Nakazawa, they were threatening to break his ankle. Kenny was like, go ahead. <laughs> it was like, it was just such a <laughs> dick. Like, just, he's just an ex, one of our expendable goons. We have another. Um, yeah, Jack, Jack, you're uh, you're chortling away. So should we should we come to you get your opinions on this bit? Because I'm sure you've got a lot to say about your hero, the wanker Kenny Omega. You still idolise this man. I'm actually He's wearing his hoodie right now. <laughs> scum. Uh, scum. I I love it. I I just I'm loving the full Kenny Omega package at the moment. Everything he does is just golden in the dickhead way. Like, and as you say, you get genuinely like pissed off his actions, but. And everyone this podcast knows now, I, I love a heel. Like MJF, I love. Kenny, I'm loving his heel. Britt Baker, I'm loving his heel. I just love him. And it's because it's just funny to watch. And, and I think you have so much creativity being a heel, like how to pull it off. And I think Kenny's really doing That's well. what they say. They say all the wrestlers want to play heel. Do you yeah. Know what I mean? They want to be I, a heel because there's, so oh, there's so much room for it, you know. It's just so funny. Um, and this is a great segment. As you said, it was just, such such an insult to Nakazawa, um, how he's just accepted this now as his role. Um, when he genuinely, but it was more of an insult to Eddie Kingston that he was just yeah, like, "This is yeah. what I think you're worth. This is your <laughs> opponent, Nakazawa, in street clothes, in chinos, and a fucking polo." You know? Honestly, but now I'm intrigued with this one to see where it's going because, like, will it be a Kingston Kenny match? Could that be it? Um, I would like that. Yeah, I think that would be the most suitable one. Obviously, it's not going to be Mox again. Um, but then would it be a Mox and Kingston match? In which case, would it be against the Bucks? But then if it is against the Bucks, you know, obviously they've got SEU on the card, so that won't happen for a while. Could it be against um, Gallows and Anderson, maybe? It's There's lots of ways to do it, and that's what's quite good at the moment. Everyone seems to be intertwining within each other, and I quite like that. I like how the storylines aren't kind of set to, like, you know, Group, different groups they kind of do cross over a lot and there's a lot of people and that's kind of what I do like about at the end of a pay-per-view like one after I know obviously I think the Dynamite after Revolution was just really random because it was when Lance Archer first came out and started doing the time thing which no one still understands why um, but it's just I, I just love getting this kind of like this this refresh of kind of like storylines and new ones coming in I think it's cool and and I, I just love guessing what's going to happen. So this one's definitely uh, um, one that I'm looking forward to. I think it's going to be funny how it comes off next week. I think in that regards, with it being a tag match, I think there's, Kenny can lose this one. I think when it's a singles match, obviously, you protect Kenny. And well, especially singles, when Nakazawa was there to eat the exactly, pin. Exactly, yeah. It's a foregone conclusion. Yeah, and I think they need to, with Eddie and John Moxley, need to make him look kind of, you know, tough I think, yeah, but it's interesting. It's a cool segment. Um, again, another interesting take. 
I, I thought when Brandon Cutler came out that first time, I didn't think Mox, for some reason I didn't think Mox was the one to beat him up. Some, for some reason I thought Kenny had just beaten up Brandon Cutler to drag him out to face. <laughs> and I was like, that would be proper. That would like, fit what? with him being a young yeah. lion, because that's yeah. what Suzuki does to the young lions. Uh, but now, nah, but good segment, solid segment. And it's always nice to see Kenny um, in, in his heelish ways. I think it would be Eddie Kingston versus... Uh, versus Kenny Omega at uh, it's gotta be, isn't it? a double or nothing. Yeah, and uh, and they can get Mox on the card depending on the situation if they they have a, a US title match, maybe. Mm. Um, you know, because obviously he's he's going to be against Yuji Nagata next week, is it? Or is it, is it next week? It's or, the week after, whenever, week after. Um, but uh, it's upcoming anyway. I think it's next week. Week, after. week after. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so they could all, always, you know, they've got their... They're, they're certain, Yep, yep. They're setting a precedent for a US title match on Dynamite. They could have a US title match on a pay per view. Do you know what I mean? So they could get them on the card for sure. Um, if if they, they, I mean, they don't. Here's the thing: they don't need to have him on every single card. You know. Um, next up, we had well, it was a break, and Sammy just came out. Sammy Guevara, this this being looking like fucking Wednesday Adams with a kind of stone face, holding uh, cutting one of his sign promos. I have it word for word here, and then I'll come to Patrick and as get his thoughts on this. Ward does not determine who is right, only who is left, edgy Sammy. Um, on May 5th at Blood and Guts, I will start the carnage. I will start the war. I will be the first man in that cage and the first man with pinnacle blood on his hands. Not really much to add to that, is there, Patrick? Sammy said it all. Not really, no. It's just another good hype for the for the match, which I'm also already hyped for, like I said before. And but what what I also liked is that he's throwing himself in there. He was the one who turned the back on the inner circle first with all the MJF stuff, and now he's just like, no, now I'm going to be the first one. I'm going to be the first one in line. He's kind of redeeming himself a bit, kind of, even though he did nothing wrong to begin with, because he yeah. left for good reason because of MGF. But it's like he yeah, feels definitely. like he's got something to prove now, you know, it's loyalty. Um, yeah, not much to say about that. So I'll come to you again on the next thing, which is Tony Schiavone talking with Taz. Taz says his boys are now number one because they've beaten number one. Uh, Christian Cage interrupts, says Taz was once one of the baddest dudes to step in the ring. He still talks a big game, but he doesn't back it up anymore. He said that Taz should send his boys at him one by one. Uh, and he doesn't believe in win or lose. He believes in win or learn and that he'll teach Team Taz that they're better off without Taz. You know, it will be a hard lesson. It will be a bitter pill to swallow but it will beat them until they remember until they realize that uh they are better off without taz that taz is dragging them down this kind of calls back to earlier doesn't it patrick with uh what we were saying about brian cage and brian cage kind of giving respect to uh sting and beating hangman page clean and you know he he doesn't need Taz. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't need him. Uh, maybe we're going to get the Brian Cage versus Christian Cage match. <laughs> mm. Maybe they're going to be a tag team. Uh, the, the two cages, whatever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was just a nice... The thing is like, which which made me wonder about this, like also where Christian looks at Taz and said like, yeah, I'm back in the ring after seven years and where are you standing now? You used to be that big guy. Then I had to look up. He's also already like 54 years old. So a comeback, I don't know if there it would be room for a comeback, but he was injured like very early in the 2000s with a, a career-ending injury. Um, but that made me think for a little while. Tess would be cool to have to have him back, but yeah, it was it was a good it promo. Would be, in this he, way. I mean, it look at the, the dude looks like 
the dude looks like Frank Reynolds from It's Always Sunny right now. So I don't <laughs> think he's I don't think he's coming back. Just the way he looks up at people like with no neck, like. <laughs> Yeah, right. But he was always like that, you know. Of of course, in 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 the beginning, he was more muscular than he is now. But he has always been from this uh, statue. So, yeah, it, it was just a nice thought you threw in the room there. But also, like, um, it was an interesting promo because now I also want to know, like, what will happen? Will Christian Cage? Uh, have a match against Brian Cage or whatever, like I said before, or if there will be a match, maybe a double or nothing or so, I don't know. Just also had to look it up. So 31st, uh, 30th of uh, May, not 31st. It's a Sunday again when they're, when they're doing that. So we're going to get closer to that by every week now and some feuds must be building up. Next up, we had Chris Statlander versus Penelope Ford. Ford comes out with Kip, who has said he's going to talk with Miro later. We saw how well that went, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, Chris comes out with Orange Cassidy. They throw hands. It was started out quite quite violently, really. Penelope immediately targets a knee brace, um, or almost immediately. Um, but Statlander slams her down, picks her up, and gives her a big press down to the mat. Uh, really good pace to start with, I thought. Uh, Statlander's in control until Penelope drop kicks her down onto the apron and vaults over the turnbuckle for a think a knee attack if I remember correctly um, Penelope throws her into the barricade and back in the ring returns to a st- well when it comes back from the break because it uh, we saw some of it during the break as as international viewers and then we got like half of the American break and when it returned from the break they were having a strike fest in the ring they were trading blows which uh, Statlander won that kind of that that uh, strike off uh, she hits two uppercuts and a knee to Penelope in the corner. It's a blue thunder bomb. Uh, and then Penelope hits a nice release German suplex. Um, and then a flipping net breaker for a two. <laughs> sounds like sounds like I'm northern <laughs> and like a flipping net breaker. <laughs> um, <laughs> hits a flipping great net breaker for a two count. Penelope tries to do her flippy thing where she, you know, somersaults around. But she catches a boot from the alien. Chris then hits what we are told is called the solar eclipse. I hadn't heard it called that before, but Penelope kicks out. Um, Chris beats her down, but Penelope fights out and cleans her clock. She gives her a big old kick in the face. Uh, Penelope goes for that same flippy thing again, but she gets caught and she is in trouble. Kip tries to interfere, but Orange Cassidy stops him by standing in the way. And this allows Chris to hit the Big Bang Theory for the win. And as the cherry on top of the cake, she boops her on the ground mm-hmm. after the match. Uh, yeah, let's let's come to Jack. Jack, did you like this match? Big fan? Medium fan? I, yeah, no, I, I did like it. I remember it was actually last week my match I was looking forward to the most, and it didn't disappoint. I'm loving the, um, the build-up Chris Statlander's getting since she's come back. I think it's great. I liked her before she got injured, and it's just great to see her. And she seems like she's got better, if anything. Um, poor Penelope Ford always seems to just lose these sort of matches. Um, she's like, well, Speaking of getting better, Penelope Ford seems to be quite improved from a long yeah, a while ago, you know? Definitely. And again, it was just a really good match. Um, I thought it was necessary to have this match, especially after the events of Arcade Anarchy, so it's nice to kind of follow it up. Um, maybe it could have been sooner. It seems a bit of a lengthy time since that event to then have the match. Um, but nonetheless, a good match and good fun spots, especially, you know, 
with Chris Satinander, you always get that with her whole alien gimmick in the boot. Um, and yeah, it was it was definitely out of the matches so far, probably one of my favourites, if not my favourite. I do, I we always say, and this we repeat ourselves, but the women's matches really are a lot of fun and a lot of you know good, tier, good, good watch. Yeah, good watch. Uh, Patrick, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, yeah, n- n- nothing too big to add except that I really liked it. Um, this was really like, like Jack said, it took way too long for that uh, for that match happening after the Arnold uh, Kate. What do, what do we say to this? How do we call this? The uh, face stamp of <laughs> of Penelope Ford on the glass, <laughs> oh, yeah. which was caused by Chris Zetlander. Um Yeah, it, it was g- good match, good women's match. Just unfortunately the only one this night on this show, so please more of these. Next up we had a promo from Press 10, Vance, or 10, just 10, whatever you want to call him. little promo about how Brody kind of handpicked him. They talked about Brody sliding in the mask and saying, you're one of us now. Really very short promo, not much to talk about here, but very nice, obviously, uh, to see Brody on television again. We, we miss you, Brody. After this, we had the Factory versus the Nightmare Family, the Factory being Cutie Marshall, um, <laughs> Aaron Solo, and Nick Comorado. And the Nightmare Family was Billy Gunn, uh, Lee Johnson, and who am I missing? Dustin. Who's, who's, who's not? Oh, it's Dustin. Oof. Oof. Big oof. Sorry, Dustin. Uh, yeah, started out absolute chaos. Um,. And, uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll come to you before I give us a play-by-play. Come to one of yous. Uh, you seem to be getting the short end of the stick on these, uh, Patrick. I seem to be coming to you too late, and you only have a little bit to say. So why don't you tell me the big old treat that it is. Tell me what you thought of this stellar match, obviously, between the Factory and the Nightmare family. I really don't know what to say about the match, to be honest. There were some nice moves in it, and just thinking about, like, again, when I read it, Billy Gunn being that old and still that flexible, as as well as Dustin Rhodes, they're so agile still. But I really, I just don't like the feud at all, and the match really didn't get me interested, and I really also dislike that Antonio Gogo had to do this, like, uppercut to the liver again to just have this boxing background history of him like uh, integrated into that and I also like okay we were just going to talk what happened after the match afterwards but which was also like some kind of weird I'm I'm not buying the whole uh, the whole feud there I'm just not a real big fan of it well we know uh, we're really looking forward to hearing Jack's take on it and whether it shifted his his cutie meter which is currently on uh currently on zero i believe i think we I think it's on minus, minus one isn't it yeah no no I, I went i went back i'm thinking i'm pretty sure it's on zero i think we went down to minus one i think it came back up to one but uh i think it i think i think it's on zero i think <laughs> anyway um yeah as i said started out with a mad free-for-all uh we saw lee johnson pummeling qt marshall absolutely laying into him at the side of the ring billy gunn gets beat down in the ring selling the injury from a go-go um, Comorado looks Comorado looks locks on a waist lock and gun powers out Dustin's in gives it a lot but gets slapped down by Comorado Cutie is tagged in and beats Dustin outside the ring whips him in and tags into Solo um, during the break there's a lot of quick tags Solo to Nick uh, 
Comorado and then Nick Comorado to QT Marshall. Dustin battles out against Solo until he catches a corkscrew kick from Solo. Quite nice. Um, uh, returns from the break because this was during this was the action during the break with QT Marshall in control. Dustin gets the hot tag to Lee Johnson. Uh, neck breaker on Solo from Lee. Uh, and he goes around the waist on Solo for another blue thunderbomb like we saw in the... Is it just me or is the blue thunderbomb going a little bit the way of the Destroyer where it's getting a bit overused because we saw it in the uh, in the women's match and then this one, but I don't know, maybe I'm being nitpicky. Um, Comorado comes in and it all breaks down, leading to Lee hitting a corkscrew over, like a corkscrew tope, I guess you'd call it, cutie, on the outside. Uh, a go-go hits a cheap shot on Johnson. Uh, another one of those kind of body shots that knocks people the fuck out. I can't believe that they're really committing to this. Um, Nick Camarado hits Dustin with a cowbell. Again with the cowbell. I think maybe this is going to be leading to some sort of like a Texas bull rope match between the two. Which, honestly, I'm here for that, to be honest. Uh, if that's something that comes out of this, then, you know, Nick Camarado's the best member of this faction by a, by a country mile. So I'd be... And, you know, that's a kind of classic match for Dustin to have. So I'd be well into that, to be honest. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention sorry shows how much I was how into this match I was after the cheap shot from a go-go that was that was the pin that was the win for cuties cuties or the factory I prefer my way uh gun club attacked Marshall after the match um because of the whole attack and dust and thing that was going down and uh you know in the uh in the melee um Marshall's boys come back and like in the chaos he kind of retreats to the bus and gets attacked by Cody who is laying in wait in the bus um, and starts beating on him QT kind of gouges the eyes of Cody and runs away and smartly of course runs to the roof of the bus because <laughs> that's uh, that's a good way to get away from someone chasing you um, and I was really hyped about this and I was like I thought Cody was about to throw him off the top or something like that of the bus and we were going to get some big attitude here a moment but uh Alas, Cody put the figure four leg lock on him on top of the bus, which, I mean, he could have kind of done that on the floor, couldn't he? And it would have had the same effect. But anyway, Jack, what has this done to your cutie meter? Can we get a drum roll, please? Um, no comment. So no comment means no movement? Um, loss of movement. I'm going to go for this week, no movement. No movement. Okay, it wasn't, it wasn't bad, you know, like... Like I said, there's some good stuff coming out of it. There's Nick Camarado, and he's, you know, like if they are leading to some sort of special stipulation match with him and Dustin, I, I don't hate that, you know. It's not. It's not going to be Nick Camarado, and uh, if there is going to be, it's going to be Anthony Agogo in it. Yes, I'm Dustin, also nah, it's going to be Nick Camarado. We'll push Dustin him dude. more into the into the spotlight. Nah, Dustin. Dustin was the one that hit him over the head with the wooden chair as well, and then it it didn't rock him at all. They're, mm. they're definitely leading to a program between Dustin and Nick, for sure. Like, of course, they're still going to be pushing Antonio Gogo to the forefront, like for sure. But I'm just saying, like, I reckon there's going to be a match between um, Nick Antonio and Antonio Gogo. Feels Rhodes. like the male version of Jay Cargill at the moment. For sure, for sure. <laughs> On point. But uh, I, point. I don't. I don't think it's. Um, yeah, I suppose I don't think they're like hyping him as hard. Um, but obviously, he's done nothing at the moment. But. Next up, Kip tried to talk to Miro. I, I like this segment. Um, <laughs> I liked it even if I don't understand why it's actually happening. Like, he's this mad about him not showing up to Dynamite for a couple hey, of weeks. We like, forgot dude, to talk COVID. about the figure for Lecklock on top of the bus. 
Oh, true. I went to Jack for that, and he said no yeah. comments. So, why don't <laughs> for for our uh, for our for for our grievances, seen as Jack's uh, pleading the fifth. Let's come to you, Patrick. What did you think about uh, that brutal figure four leg lock, which was obviously made so much worse by being elevated? Make it make sense. <laughs> that's that's a real hard job. It's like telling a priest not to do something with children, but. Um, <laughs> It's All right, we got to we got to cut that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm editing the editor in chief. Yeah. yeah, I'm editing. So, this in, so I'm, needless. I'm the so needless. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back to that, it it's it, it was a weird segment. So first of all, uh, 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 QT was standing in front of the bus, and you could clearly see Cody waiting for yeah. him to like be there and opening the door. And I was like, "Are you for real there?" And then the whole thing going on top of the of, of the bus, like like just a figure four on top of the bus. Why and what the hell was the ref doing there? Oh, on top of the bus, <laughs> I've, I've never seen oh, it. Yeah, like a it was a match. Yeah. yeah, like it was a match. It didn't um, matter. So there was ah, oh, Jesus. This was uh, another prime example of my main problem with AEW. I love AEW. I I'm so happy we have a alternative to sports entertainment doing a kind of what would have been called an indie style of wrestling a few years ago, but now it really is just the mainstream style outside of WWE. It's just pro wrestling, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um it's just everyone's doing pro wrestling, WWE's doing sports entertainment. Um but yeah, my main problem with AEW and like I said this is another example of it is that they come so close, so close to doing these big weekly Attitude Era style memorable moments. Um, Last week it was with John Moxley um, when him and Eddie crashed into the side of the trailer and he's like, Eddie, give me the pipe. And you think, oh shit, is is he going to, you know, is he going to block off the door and then they're going to hijack the trailer, take the trailer somewhere, you know, dump it in a river, something mad like that. Now you just... He just hits the side of the trailer a little bit with the pipe, the pipe, and that's it. Like um, then this week, they Cody and QT go up on onto the top of the uh, top of the bus, and you're oh my god, is Cody going to throw QT off the bus? And then no, he just he puts on a submission move that he could have done on the floor to the exact same effect. Do you know what I mean? So it's like like stop kind of teasing big spots. Why go up on the top of you know top of the bus just to do a like you know, if you just do it, like you know, that would have that would have got the QT meter up a bit if it chucked QT Marshall off the bus, wouldn't it, Jack? Oh, massively, but not for the funny thing is with the QT meter, it would have got him up, but it was not a him moment. It would have just been him yeah. being attacked, but he still would have got him up for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's just just interesting the angle, but yeah, no, um, like this is what I mean, and it's only frustrating because they're so close to perfection because they're they're right there, just like. Do you know what I mean? You've gone to nine. Just go take the extra step and go to ten. Yeah. You know what I mean? Next up, we had Kip trying to talk to Miro. Um tries to again, like I don't I I love this segment, but I have no idea why it was happening, honestly. Like mm-hmm. why is Miro this mad at Kip for not showing up at Dynamite for a couple of weeks? Uh anyway, Miro beat seven shades of shit out of Kip. Um and uh I liked that he was kind of mocking the British. He was like, come on, mate. <laughs> he was like, he says, it's time to pay your dues. <laughs> and uh, he puts Kip's arm in the door and slams it and then gives him a cuddle and tells him that he forgives <laughs> him. And then uh, the nice little stamp on it as he makes a leave, he goes, good talk. <laughs> Which I liked. Uh, yeah. Jack. Also, just d- didn't fam- make any sense. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, you're right. It doesn't. It doesn't. I. It doesn't make any sense. But I did enjoy. It. Like, 
this is this has got to be one of the weakest reasons I've ever seen for a partner turning on their tag team partner or their stable mate or whatever. Um, just like I couldn't get a hold of you for a couple of weeks, so I'm going to beat the ever loving shit out of you. It's <laughs> like chill the fuck out, man. Um, he's like, I know he's a monster heel, but this seems just irrational by any kind of wrestling logic. But that said, I really enjoyed this segment. Jack, did you really enjoy this segment? I did. I'm loving Miro at the moment, and I've watched. I really hope that when he inevitably, in my eyes, takes the TNT title off Derby, he beats the shit out of Derby because I'm I'm sick of and well, we all are. To be. Yeah, we. I'm sick of the Derby invincible, um, like you know that he's betraying. And I just, I just love for Mira to come in and just be like an absolute squash. Like I'd love it to be like a two, two minute max, just him thrown around like a ragdoll, like he does, and then all of a sudden does his finisher, and it's just like his submission, and um, yeah, and then boom, he has it, and then he's just like, he, and then I'd love for like the crowd, like a boo from a crowd, you know what I mean? He's just there with the title, and he's got no one around him because I, obviously, a lot of actually, yeah. That being said. Every person that's held the TNT title so far has had like someone with them. Um, you could say maybe Darby didn't when he actually won it, but he's got Sting now. Whereas Miro is like alone, so it'd be cool yeah. to just kind of him be like. Well, just... is will he be alone though? Because he's forgiven Kip. He oh, just, but he's he's like got... he, he he may they may be going for a sort of bit of a Game of Thrones reference, but a sort of. Uh, uh, Stannis cutting off Davos's fingers, but then giving him a knighthood kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Punishments for the uh, things you've done wrong, but rewards for what you've done right. It might just be a him putting him back down in his place sort of thing, and then you're gonna have like a meek little broken Kip Sabian still following Mira around. Maybe, maybe. but I, I, it'd be it'd be cool to kind of if the <laughs> what's the, what I'm trying to say. Basically, obviously, the fact they made Chucky T the butler. It'd be funny if Mira made Kip his butler. Just like, yeah. <laughs> Kip's like the just, butler. Yeah. Well, I need another. I still need a fucking butler. <laughs> like, yeah. But no, just just for the fact to kind of be like, because he's British as well. It's perfect. Yeah, because he's betrayed in that much. And he's just like, okay, you can hang around me if you want, but you, I've got to get something out of this. So he just yeah. every time Miro's like comes out, you just got Kip there in the suit now. But in the opposite, where Chucky T obviously looks so sad that he's in the suit, you don't want to be in the suit. Kip's just like really proud or something. Like he's really happy with his role because he gets to hang out with Miro. I'd love that. It's like a segment. That was, that'd be a, it'd be a great way of spinning this because we've obviously not been a fan of that whole thing, but it would yeah. be a good way of... I think that I quite like that. I don't think I'd like it to be a two-minute match um, because that would give me big Brock Lesnar vibes, to be honest, um, which we all, you know, we can't kind of criticize WWE for doing one thing and then praise mm. AEW for, 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 for the same thing. But yeah, I do what I do think. I mean, he's, I mean, th that's how they set it up. He is going to have to kick the ever loving shit out of Darby Allen to take the title. I don't think it'll be like a, a squash match though. I think it will, uh, I think it'll go the distance, but it'll keep him down. That actually leads quite nicely into our main event, Darby Allen versus Preston Vance or Ten. You know they uh, they swap between. Uh, yeah, how about I give I uh, I give us a give us a rundown. So the two of them locked up, uh, and then they 
started kind of squaring off, like looking at each other and then locked up again. It was a really slow start, to be honest. Um, Darby reversed a backdrop into a headlock and then gets thrown into the ropes and a shoulder tackle. Thus begins the weekly Darby Allen beatdown. Um, <laughs> Preston gets Darby up for a delayed suplex, but uh, doesn't drop it. He was doing his count to 10 suplex, which is a thing apparently, um, but doesn't drop it because Darby reverses and goes back to the headlock. Uh, 10 hits a backbreaker. Darby clocks his jaw, but uh, 10 whips him back and forth between the turnbuckles. 10 attempts a powerbomb, but Darby escapes. Uh, hits a chop block to the injured knee of 10. So Darby Allen's heel tactics coming into play again after biting Jungle Boy last week. Uh, Preston Vance hits the shoulder block again. Preston dominates during the commercial break and hits the suspended, actually hits the suspended suplex, the 10, the 10 count suplex this time. Uh, Darby battles back, but eats a huge spine buster and then a single arm powerbomb from our man 10. Darby finally gets some offense going with a stunner and attempts a Fujiwara armbar. Preston reverses, but then Alan rolls through and actually locks in the armbar. 10 makes the ropes, though. Um, he then powers Darby into the barricade and throws him back into the ring. Darby steps on his hand. This wasn't the first time in the match he targeted the hand either on top of the turnbuckles. Apparently, the hand is also injured. 10 is just falling apart, apparently. And then <laughs> hits the sent onto the outside on 10 and Alan Angels, Alan Five Angels. Uh, we'll just say I didn't hate this this time. If they are going to do the whole outside the ring dive on multiple people, this is how I think they should do it. Um, like where it's like people aren't waiting around. Do you know what I mean? He just hit it straight away, and it only took two of them out. It wasn't a load of them. That's that's uh, that's what I'm a fan of. Uh, then Ethan Page uh, attacked Alan Darby Allen at this point uh, during all the chaos. Uh, he ran out of nowhere and attacked Darby Allen. Uh, Vance hits the wheelbarrow, uh, like bouncing off the ropes into a German suplex, attempts his full Nelson finisher, but Darby starts tearing at his mask, which I think is the most heel thing he's done yet, to be honest. That is a no-go. And goes after his eyes. He started gouging his eyes after tearing the mask open. Uh, Vance actually does lock in the full Nelson, but Darby rolls and pins him. Um... And then this was really weird, considering how he'd just been so heel and dickish to him. Darby held up uh, Ten's Brody tribute band. Um, like, as to say, you know, this is for Brody. Scorpio Sky then attacks Sting from behind. Um, JR got Ethan Page's name wrong and called him Ethan Carr, which is EC3. Um, which I rack my brains to try and think of a time that JR's called an EC3 match that he'd make this mistake, but... I'm at a loss. Um, and then Lance Archer made the save at the end, as we probably thought he would. Let's come to Patrick. Patrick, what were your thoughts of this match? Ooh, I don't want to be the downer again, but I'm just really tired of this Darby Allen matches. Although, like, there were some nice moves in it, and Preston Vance is, uh, I think, a really good wrestler like for the future also oh, this, this will be so interesting to see really i love the moves there but still like the finish for me was just, just like it it was just shit to be honest like i hate these like falsified finish roll-up things they have there darby allen still looks not very dominant as a champion i just can't wait for him to lose the title to uh to miro 
um, and get like really torn apart or so and then not standing up anymore because I'm really sick and tired of this. It's it's really boring for me also. And you also see it from the uh, viewership numbers, like from the different segments. Darby Allen is not a draw and uh, they're just booking him completely weak and wrong uh, in my perspective, but like he was the whole so over. With, he was so over with the crowd at the beginning of Dynamite. Yeah, like when Dynamite yeah. started. And that's I just I just don't get it. Like maybe the missing crowd is making it, or I, I, to be honest, I have to rewatch his match uh, against Sammy on uh, Revolution last year, which was awesome. Really, I, that's just like where I thought, wow, these guys are completely over. But but here's the thing: here's the later, thing. If I, I can just really if I can just can't if if. His match with Sammy, they're both similar weights. So I, I think what would be a better thing to go back and watch was, do you remember he had a match with uh, John Moxley on a Dynamite, which he obviously lost after, I think, Mox did an avalanche, um, whatever whatever his... What's the finisher called? Because it's not the Death Rider. It's called the Death Rider in New Japan. What's it called in... Um, what's, what's John Moxley's finisher called in AEW? Paradigm AW? Shift. Paradigm, Paradigm Shift, thank you. Yeah, yeah um... Yeah, he hit like an avalanche paradigm shift off the top rope. Uh, so there was, I, I, I think it would be interesting to go back and watch that match and maybe some other Derby Allen matches, maybe some of Derby's matches with Cody and look at how he wrestled then compared to how he wrestled now, wrestles now. Do you know what I mean? Because I, yeah, I swear he didn't always idea. get the shit kicked, get the shit kicked out of him this bad. Because like even Jungle Boy was beating the shit out of him and Jungle Boy... You could you you wouldn't have to do it that way, do you know what I mean? And you don't you wouldn't even really have to convincingly have Matt. Hardy. I mean, Matt Hardy's an old dude with a limp, you know. You didn't have to have him dominate Derby so hard either. It's like no, it's crazy, but that's just how they're booking yeah. him. Yeah, like, yeah I guess with, it's with, also like with last 10... week. I was I was so waiting for that Jungle Boy maybe wins. It was so close at some moments where I really thought he would win, but then didn't. And then I was like so uh, annoyed. And th this week was a little more clear that Preston wouldn't win. But still, like, it's, yeah. I don't know what they made of but it. Like, it's maybe it's a really good idea to look ba back at it. So, sorry, back to you. Yeah, I think we should. I think we should. I was just going to say 10 is a bit actually deceptively big. So, like, maybe if they hadn't, had Derby wrestled this exact style of match so many times already, then it would have been uh, much more exhilarating to to see this kind of dominant display. But you know, it's just it's just the formula at this point, isn't it? Which I mean, I know you know it, it's just what you expect, and you just have to get used to it. And they can put you know Derby can put on matches, good matches. I just I just you're not seeing a lot from it. You're seeing his selling. Do you know what I mean? But you're not seeing. You've got your champion. You're not seeing a lot of moves from your champion when it wrestles like when when he's wrestling this style of match. So um, I don't know. I don't know what. I get they're trying to do the unkillable thing. That's fine. Like, and I don't think they've done anything as um, egregious as when he kicked out of that. Um, as that Matt Hardy match, so I don't, I don't think it's gotten worse since then. I think it's gotten better since then. And as you say, like looking on the bright side, there was a lot of good stuff in this match. It was a decent match. It's just, you know, we'd like to see a bit, a bit more of a, a, a roller coaster of a match. Like that's the ones we enjoy, the ups and downs, not the ones that it's just uh, one note throughout it and then a surprise win. Jack, do you have anything to add to this? Not too much. Just the same as you boys. I'm sick of Derby, really. Another match where, like the Bucks um, versus Matt Sardell and Mike Sardell um, match, I, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't invested. I didn't really care. It was merely, there's some matches that I watch and take it all in. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And there's others that I feel quite passive when watching. Like I'm watching it, I'm enjoying it, but like I feel no sort of investment in it. 
Um, and I feel like I get no reward from it either. And yeah, same as you boys. I'm I'm looking forward to the day Derby drops it, and that's sad. But and as as I said in previous podcasts, um, there is a way to redeem it. Um, where I if he loses it and then realises how much he fucks up and comes back and it has that resurgence, um, but obviously not an immediate one. Um, but that's the only way. I think the sooner they can get it off him, i.e. maybe double or nothing, when they have a match with Miro, maybe, that could be a good time. Um, I just think he, 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 needs, he needs it off him because he's better. He's better not a champ when he's like that underdog and he's not the one with the target on his back. He's the one that's putting the target on someone else's back. That's when he's better. That's the problem, though. When he's being an underdog, what happens when the underdog wins a title? And this is like an age-old question in wrestling, do you know what I mean? It's like, how do you... I mean, I'll come to Patrick, because Patrick's got the longer tenure in, uh, as a wrestling fan. H- what is the perfect way for you to have like an undersized underdog in the title chase? Because you know we're going to get the criticisms. We're going to get people say, oh, yeah, you love Derby when he's chasing, but not when he wins. And then you all turn on him when he wins. And it's like, yeah, that's a valid criticism. But like... How do you book it then if you've got this underdog chasing the title? How do you book it so that they're a credible champion after they win? Like, what what do you do then? Well, that that's that's quite hard to achieve. You know, in WWE, this happened uh, several times with big person. Like, uh, I would just think of John Cena. John Cena, when he was a heel and then chasing the US title and then the year after the WWE title the first time, everyone wanted to see that. And then afterwards, like, WWE really missed on, on booking it properly. You know, that yeah that there there's like like real something with it that the people are still behind him and then they just made him the corporate champ and everyone hated him um and this is what what can happen when you do a wrong booking or like also I don't, when oh, I Daniel don't, Bryan I don't after think... he won his titles at yeah. uh, at WrestleMania 30 they also missed out on booking that properly so to be honest Daniel, I Daniel Bryan is the better what, example I'd say I don't think anyone's ever going to yeah. accuse John Cena being an underdog no one's ever going to accuse John Cena of being an underdog but um uh yeah I think Daniel Bryan's probably the better example there which yeah, you know it's hard bigger, it's but hard, back then it? everyone to... wanted John Cena to to have the, the the title and everything so that was that was quite a thing and it shifted really really fast like, like after like three months or so already the people were starting to boo him really quick so that's the, that's the champ that people wanted to have, and then he was there, and then they don't didn't want to have it anymore. So, but yeah, but Daniel Bryan also like Daniel Bryan is also a great example for that nowadays. Also, it's tricky, and it like I said, we are aware as fans that we do come off across as dickish when we root for somebody who's an underdog, and then we don't know, you know, what to do with them when they're a champion because like how can they credibly? And this is how you know. AEW doing what they think they can do which is having this kind of ma- having him wrestle this kind of match um, it's hard I don't exactly know what the solution is but um, I don't know I don't know I'll, 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 I'll think on it and come back to you next week with an answer maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll do some deep <laughs> yeah. dives some investigations just- into some underdog champions maybe Eddie Guerrero go back and watch yeah. some old matches yeah maybe oh yeah maybe eddie also like this was also like a big problem after he won the title they didn't know what to do with him anymore then the wrestlemania which match was the peak and then afterwards it's just they turned him heel that was the good thing afterwards in, in a feud against yeah. uh, Rey mysterio but he didn't have the title anymore and just on that note we really need to watch out also what happens with hangman if he gets the aw title one day because now he's the ultimate underdog like this this people's guy and but if I, he gets it then I they don't, think, don't book uh, it properly 
I don't think they have to book him underdog like they do Derby because Derby's it's all about his size, whereas Hangman's got a convincing build yeah, for a world think. champion, I think. So I don't think, I mean, like Mox was never the underdog, was he? I think they could have a similar thing to, I don't think they have as much of a problem. They have a problem with Derby just because of his size, I think. And I suppose this comes back to like when Rory's criticizing like Vince stuff by, you know, booking heavyweights. But it ha- I mean, this happens in New Japan as well. I remember being really pissed off when Lance Archer beat Will Ospreay in the G1. Um, but then, you know, you think about it. And this was before Will Ospreay bumped up to heavyweight and he was a, he was a junior heavyweight. And it's... Um, and it's just it's just to avoid kind of quandaries like this, why they have the junior division, why they have the heavyweight division, or why they have, as a rule, heavyweights going over junior heavyweights, even if one of them is much more kind of over than the other. If the junior, in this instance, it was Osprey, is so much more over than the heavyweight, this this instance, it was Archer. Um but they don't book based, you know, they, they book based on logic and, and that makes sense and having the divisions. And I suppose, you know, I suppose that's the problem with AEW with having no kind of weight weight class, you know what I mean? And and may, maybe that's one of the reasons why the in-ring product is so good in New Japan. Um, because like, yeah, they've just they've just put themselves into a corner with with booking derbies. You know, but then you know you can never please us wrestling fans because then don't you remember back in the day when we were like, why do they have to have the cruiserweight title? Why can't cruiserweights win? You know the and then Rey Mysterio won it, and we're like, we want more of this. And you know, it's it's a fine line. It's a it's a delicate balance. And uh, hey, who will oh, be your wrestling good booker? Example, right? By the way, the Ultimate Underdog, Rey Mysterio. Also, yeah. they after he won the title. They didn't know what to do with him anymore. No one wanted him then anymore as a, as a, as a champion because he was weak as a champion. Yeah. And so maybe maybe it's an argument for weight classes. Maybe that's why um, that's why it's so good in uh, that's why New Japan one of the one of the reasons maybe why New Japan's in ring product is so good. But uh, yeah, no, I mean surely that's kind of what TNT the TNT title could function as a sort of smaller weight class. I mean not officially, but you could have guys like Jungle Boy go for it and. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. But that just about brings us to the end of our show, I think. Well, the end of our Dynamite recap. Um, We have a few awards to give out uh, to the show. I mean, Patrick, I'll come to you in a sec. Actually, first we'll do our our matches of the week. Um, I never go first on match of the week. I'm going to go first. Um, Orange Cassidy uh, versus Penta El Cero Miedo. What about you, Jack Griffin? Um... I'm going to go for the women's match because Ooh, we got a tiebreaker. Yeah, I, I kind of want it to be a tiebreaker. I, I OC Ray Phoenix, uh, sorry, OC Penta um, would be a close second, but I do. I, I just like the women's matches. I think they've got. They seem to have a bit more to them. I don't know. I think it's because they've got. Yeah, I think it's because they've got a lot of. They've not got a lot of obviously titles as much as the men's. And there's not there's as much a lot pressure of, on them yeah, as well. Do you know what I mean? There's not as much pressure. There's not as many titles, and it's nice that they can still have these class matches without there being too many ulterior motives. If you know what I mean, like it's just a good wrestling match. You know, um, yeah, yeah, that's mine. Patrick, you are the tiebreaker. So the women's match was also really good, um, but it was just, for me, it was too short a bit. Like this, these six minutes less they had on the women's match, uh, if, if they w- would have that more, like could have built more like, uh, yeah, like 
the match, which is also match of the night for me, is also Orange Cassidy against Penta. Um, yeah, if the women just get a little more time, because this 13, they, what was it, 13, 14 minutes for Penta and OC, that was just perfect length to, to, to showcase something, to tell a nice story in the ring. And uh, yeah, the, actually, but actually these two were just like the highlights for me of the show and some segments. But other than that, like I would say like a very average show yeah not so good show this week i mean i think it's a very high bar i think you take a lot of these matches on their own merit and it's like wow this is i think i think we're getting spoiled by aw that they've screwed up the curve a bit for themselves do you know what i mean for what constitutes a good or an average show they put this on you know five years ago on we television you would we're saying this is a 10 do you know what i mean so it's it is difficult to rate in that sense my shocker of the week my shocker of the week is Rick Knox just shrugging off a flagrant rule break in uh, the Young Bucks versus Matt and Mike Sardell tag team match. <laughs> Patrick, seeing as you didn't uh, interject at any point during the show, we're going to need your heel moment of the week. Yeah, so, yeah, Makito. <laughs> it no, it's not Makito. It's they're not all the same, Jack. Asian women. It's Mesa Ruga. <laughs> oh, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, racial stuff in their racial comments okay <laughs> no but uh, keeping it in the asian and racial way no it's just like michael nakazawa in the ring gonna break his ankle yeah just go for it go for it i don't care so kenny omega saying he doesn't care that michael nakazawa loses his foot i'm so happy mm -hmm. you went for that and and uh for me yeah for if i was in if it was if i was the one choosing i would have just said just in general him giving eddie kingston nakazawa in street clothes to fight or not in ring gear to fight <laughs> yeah, but yeah at least general, as part of the same yeah exactly the general, at least it's part of the same segment kenny omega was definitely the heel of the week here god damn it right uh that brings us to next the preview of next week um i mean we know the big one but uh patrick would you like to do the honors Mm, yeah, sure. So next week will be Cody Rhodes against Cutie Marshall. Uh, then speaking Woo! of Kenny Omega, he will be teaming together with Michael Nakazawa against the team of uh, Moxley and Kingston. And SCU will face the Jurassic Express, the Varsity Blondes and the Acclaimed for the AW number one tag team contendership. Like, I don't know. <laughs> And there will be a match of Britt Baker facing someone. So it's, it's going to be a squash match just for s statistics. And we also got a very, very, very nice announcement for the week after next week, which will be an IWGP US Championship match from Moxley against NJPW NJPW veteran Juji Nagata. That's, uh, yeah, that was kind of a surprise for me. Just like, by the way, we're like, yeah, we're we going to have an NJPW title match on the card. I'm like, what? <laughs> and yeah, there's some, some cage match in it next week. But anyway. Yeah, <laughs> some, some, little, some small matter of, of that. Yeah, no, I think there's a, uh, there's a match on New Japan Strong as well with Mox uh, teaming with Chris Dickinson versus a couple of people. I can't remember, can't remember who. Um, but yeah, there's there's a there's a match going on over there as well. So they're doing a lot of. Uh, I mean, it's not really a cross promotional thing because Mox is a New Japan wrestler as well. People forget that, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, I mean, do we even have to ask what match we're looking forward to the most? Jack? I don't think we do. It's uh, it's blood and not guts, really. isn't it, Patrick? Of 
Yeah, completely. That's that's I, that's the thing I'm waiting for since last year. That's actually that's the thing now. When when it would be so perfect when COVID ends here now because this all started the shit for me. Like when they cancel Blood and Guts and like everything, I was like, oh fuck, now it's getting serious. <laughs> yeah, if, uh, yeah, if 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 they could book COVID to end right now, that would be great storytelling. I agree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> best best doing like after the heel turn last year of COVID, now winning faces, winning again. <laughs> I uh I do have I do have one kind of ponderingment I don't think that's a word um about about the blood and guts match it's on TNT uh, TV fourteen it's not it's not on pay per view and they're making this out like it's going to be so violent like they've really bigged up the violence how are they going to deliver on that when it's a TV fourteen show and not um, a pay-per-view which they can get as violent as they like on a pay-per-view because they can just release a DV- DVD as an 18 or an R-rated or whatever it is in America, but um, M or whatever, Mature. Well, yeah, I I just... I worried that they... I worried that Tony Khan's doing doing a classic Tony Khan and promising too much. Do you know what I mean? Like he did with uh, the Christian Cage debut, like he did with other stuff. I'm worried that they're promising too much violence, too much blood, and then they won't be able to give us that much. I don't know. Maybe they can. Yeah, but but in the end, if if like for the rating, if they're not swearing in the U.S., then you can show whatever you want on TV at that time. Yeah. So there can murder be a man as long apart. as you're not swearing or showing boobs. <laughs> right, 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 right. So that's that's the thing. Oh, and also like the Britt Baker match against Thunder Rosa, that was also quite brutal, and it was on yeah. TNT. So I'm I'm really uh, yeah, really really sure there will be still a lot of color. Speaking of which, speaking of swearing, um, that's just reminded me of something. So on the like indies or whatever, when the young bucks were, especially when they were heel and they would split a crowd, the crowd would go chant. There'd be dueling chants from the crowd between "Let's go, young bucks! Fuck the young bucks! Let's go, young bucks! Fuck the young bucks!" And they tried to get that going on uh, Dynamite this week, except obviously it's uh, Tony Khan's fake PG crowd. And um, and they, they were going, screw the young bucks. I'm like, dude, stop. Like, just don't even try it. Don't even, don't even attempt it because it's, it's just like, it's cringy, man. It's cringy when they censor you know yeah the, the 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 fake crowd censors themselves like that it's it's just don't even bother don't even try the chant then like with screw don't even the young try. Bucks. anyway one more order of business and that is less important shows less important shows this week uh there's a there's a there's a couple to cover isn't there is there i've forgotten it's the Jeff. Yeah. Uh, as he Jeff. Hold on, let me, <laughs> sorry, let me start that again. Which which one was that? I've genuinely forgotten. Uh, genuinely, my mind's just gone uh, blank. Impact resolution, final resolution. How's it called? Oh, it? Fucking, I forgot uh, also the name. Of, <laughs> fu- Did you say final solution? <laughs> resolution. <laughs> saying that. I don't know <laughs> what I said. <laughs> Dear Jordan. Uh, sorry, no. Um, Impact Rebellion. This was uh, I heard it. Do, it did nine times their usual pay per view buys, Jesus. which I mean, banging right. Um, I, I suppose I suppose we won't give a rundown of all of them, but we won't go straight onto the main event yet because I really rated to me to me the, the matches of the night were the first and last match. So that first match, that X Division title match, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it, Jack? I only watched the main event. Uh, actually, no, that's a lie. I, only, I watched the main event and. Gallows and Anderson versus Finn Juice. 
well you're terrible let's go to uh let's go to patrick <laughs> patrick please tell me you watched the first match with the uh ace austin versus tjp versus um that dude from the north that ended up winning <laughs> josh alexander i have to let you down as well yeah. Are you guys serious? <laughs> I just watched the main event. I, I didn't watch the rest, unfortunately. So I just watched so, some well, highlights of it. Tom, Tom, we're what? simple men. We see Kenny Omega. We just want to watch it. You, you guys are terrible. For Kenny, you're <laughs> terrible wrestling fans. Um, yeah, no, for the record, go and watch. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's one match out of your days, guy. Come on. Um, yeah, Josh Alexander versus Ace Austin versus TJP for the X Division title is a very X Division kind of match um, where you see a little bit of everything, which is kind of the, the uh, X Division code. Please go and watch it. So why don't we get, seeing as neither of you bloody watch that, a, a little rundown, a little uh, what you thought of the Finjuice versus Good Brothers tag match, Jack. Yeah, it was it was good. It was a good match. I don't think I've... Did I? No, I did watch, I did watch the... Um, I'd say part one when Finjuice won the title. And yeah, um, they retained. Um, so spoiler alert, just get straight to the end. But that was a good, enjoyable match. It wasn't as long as I thought it was going to be. I felt like for a pay-per-view, it should have gone longer. Um, but nonetheless, it was it's cool. And I, I mean, it's always going to be cool seeing New Japan talent um, in the Impact ring or even AEW ring for that yeah. matter. Just seeing the, seeing the cross of talent, um, it's just really cool. Um, I, I love Juice Robinson anyway. I think he's awesome. I think he's one of my favourites from when you first introduced me to New Japan. Always stuck with me. Um, and yeah, Gallows and Anson being general Gallows and Anson. Um, you know, just it was just a good match. It was one of the ones, obviously, on the card that sprung out to me. Hence why I watched that one. Um, but yeah, recommend watching it. Go check it out. Like I said, they retained. So it'd be interesting to see how long they retained for. Um, with them obviously not being impact um, talent. Um, yeah. Impact are pimping out their titles a bit, aren't they? <laughs> As we will get on to in this main event. Or Patrick, thoughts... <laughs> Patrick, thoughts on the main event? Great main event. So for, first of all, the build-up to the main event was great. Like everything uh, they did for it also, that they brought Aubrey Edwards in there, that they uh, uh, said also like ringside with Jerry Lynn was there actually, which which I was very happy about to see Jerry Lynn. I just love Jerry Lynn. And also that Scott D'Amour is like in backstage, you see him shortly like showing a little bit that it's important. And not to forget the thing which made like the whole presentation not the match itself, the presentation around awesome was Mauro Ronaldo on the mic I, yeah. I was just so happy really so happy and afterwards in uh, interviews he also said that he was so happy being back being back on that also in the in the wrestling level that he can call these matches he was so happy I generally hope he will be back like for maybe some NJPW also or or more impact or AW just in between for for a uh, for, uh, um, for an event or maybe replacing JR please that would be just really really nice I uh, I think Marinello's got to be the best play-by-play guy in the business I this is the problem I don't think there's a good color guy that could go to go with him um like there's there's not a lot of Joey Styles <laughs> Well, Jerry Styles always play have. by play, but he's you know like like he always yeah, said he said then, I can do color, have, I can like, do play by play, like, I can oh do all of God. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, no, there's uh, the, uh, it's a little bit off topic, right? But I feel like the concept 
concept that um, announcers have characters too have kind of fallen by the wayside a bit, specifically with the AEW announced team. Um, it, they just often feel like a group of guys just sitting around watching wrestling and just cracking jokes rather than an actual commentary team. Like, what happened to... The good old days. What happened to what happened to Heenan and King and JR in his prime? Do you know what I mean? They had characters, and like, there's just not a lot of characters in. Uh, like, it's not so important in a play-by-play guy, but like, it's important in a color commentary guy. And it's um, and no, you don't see it a lot anymore. But back to the match. Um, oh, speaking of which, Matt Stryker, I think, is a good announcer as well, and I quite like D'Lo Brown, to be honest. Um, as yep, an announcer, impacts all of them. Um, but yeah, the. Uh, Rich Swan wiped himself out pretty early, didn't he? And this is this match is see, it's got a lot of uh, people ragging on it online, and I personally think they are kind of bad faith actors, kind of using Rich Swan, um, uh, using you know criticism of Rich Swan to kind of bring down the rating for a Kenny Omega match because that that that's their true enemy. These uh these cornet marks, you know? So, um, uh, yeah. Um, lots of things about Swan botching, but it, I mean, it could have been just the best sell of all time from Rich Swan, where he fucking banged his head. Like he planted the apron early in the match, like headstand, did a headstand on it. And then he's probably, to be honest, he's probably worked all these marks, to be honest, you know? Um, but I really enjoyed this match, like botches or no botches. I think what takes precedent over a perfectly picture-perfect uh, set of manoeuvres is a story. And this had that in spades, like the stuff with, like you said, with Aubrey Edwards being there, the uh, the cutter that Rich uh, hit on the on on the ref uh, that Kenny pushed in his way was executed perfectly. Um, just just the emotion, Rich uh, hanging on the ropes with um, Eddie Edwards and uh, Willie Mack there, kind of kind of looking at him like you know on his last legs and him there asking Kenny for more. You know him and on his knees as Kenny's taking it. It was emotional stuff, man. I think it was. Uh, Possibly my match of the year, a contender for match of the year at least. Um, I don't know what if you had any follow up comments to that. Yeah, so for me, it, it was also a great match. The storytelling, great, and also the um, when uh, Rich Swan wants to hit a lethal injection on Kenny, he just uh, shoves. Uh, uh, um, what was his name again? Brian Hepner, right? Yeah, from Earl Hepner. Some yeah. Brian Hepner wasn't that. Yeah, I, I also like the rep- reference. Oh, there's a Hepner here, so we just want to make sure there's <laughs> no screw job. Um, yeah, that was just great. And, and uh, like, Kenny, Kenny overall, tried to get. Yeah. Kenny tried to get uh, get Aubrey to kind of. I don't. I don't know. I can't remember if it was cheat or if it was it was Don trying to convince Aubrey to kind of count for Kenny or you know to to you know steal it for Kenny and she's like grabbing her. She's like just because I'm a AEW, I'm still. We're calling it down the middle, so that was that was some good stuff. Yeah, also that was great. Um, also, I, I don't know if he injured himself, like with his hand handstand, head plant, whatever. There, if it if it would just was was yeah, I don't know if he got injured there. It didn't seem to me for the whole part of the match. But then these two botches were like very like oh maybe he just got a little injured there or so. So the botches are the things which like give me for me like like we say in German <laughs> now it comes your favorite section again Tom. <laughs> uh, deduction in the B great <laughs> or whatever you say about it. Like this gives a little minuses in the back. Why is it not like for me like the Best match, but it still was a really great match. And uh, un- unfortunately, you also have to say for Impact, it has to be now that it's not an Impact-only match. It has to be like with Kenny or so. so. But still, it, it 
puts like the, the the spotlight also on impact a bit and also rich swan looked way better than i honestly expected in that match because i didn't know what to expect and i only know him really from two or five live and i was like oh, i don't know what to expect from this match so he surprised me also there they did that whole thing where they kind of sowed a seed of doubt in me as well which i mean in a match between kenny omega and rich one to make me have a second of doubt is it was really good uh really good stuff um i will just say that because people can't really tell whether rich is working us or not with with the head plant and then maybe he was faking a concussion with the botches like in that sense i don't think the botches really matter do you know what i mean because they're not because they if they they add to it do you know what i mean so either it's a work and it's intentional and it's added to the narrative of the match that he's you know he's rocked and he he's you know he's not resting his best match because he's really fucked himself up um which they can build on or i mean either way just it fits do you know what i mean it fits that he took a big bump to the head and then was a bit wobbly so uh, that just adds to the narrative for me so you know there are there there are times when botches take something away from a match, and I I wouldn't deduct points from it for botches because the botches did not take away from this match of anything. They added to it and they added to the story being told with how fucked up Rich One was getting. So, like it's not like uh for me it's not like a botch of someone who's perfectly healthy and like falls off the ropes. It's not it's not a Matt Seidel. Do you know what I mean? It's not <laughs> a Matt Seidel botching the uh, botching the shooting star press. These were acceptable botches for me. If anything, they you know because Paul Rich Swan he could literally just be doing the best fucking selling of his life, and people are knocking points off him for it. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> um, but no, it d- didn't matter to me. Um, obviously, I think we said most much of what needs to be said. But Jack, if there's uh, well, I tell you what, we'll, we'll go for the future with Jack. Uh, what what is the future with uh, Kenny Omega as Impact Champion? Oh God, it's a big question. <clears throat> I, just, I was going to say I feel I feel sorry for Impact because now that's two of their titles with other promotions. They kind of feel like the um, well, the second fiddle. Um, to, well, to I, I had uh, Diana Perazzo's. Uh, got a match at um triple mania so i don't know if she's defending the impact title there as well can you imagine if she did and um <laughs> they've literally pimped out their titles to three different promotions imagine. at that point that would be mental just mad stuff but um without the future well, i mean don't feel too sorry for them because like i said they had nine <laughs> times the regular pay-per-view buys that, that's pay-per-view true buys, yeah. yeah financially they're making you know they're making money Bank. but um but now in terms of the future obviously kenny's now got three titles uh four titles um he's gonna keep on trying to collect him i'm wondering whether whoever obviously takes the titles from him whether they'll get them all or whether they'll go like full one by one um i think either way it'd be cool because if they if they all went at once and obviously whoever gets them you know fair play if they go one by one it'd be quite cool because it'd be like a power down of kenny it'd be like imagine if he had maybe if you just say these four and then obviously then he loses maybe I'd say to Andrade, and that obviously this is way too soon. Obviously he's going to go longer, but I'm just saying in in this sort of what I'm trying to picture. And then it'd be like a power down. He's like, oh shit, I've only got three left. And then he loses maybe like the impact ones like to Moose or whatever. He's like, oh shit, I've only got the AW on. And then he lose like the AW on Tango. It's like, oh, yeah. what have I become? Um, so sort of now thing. that I've betrayed. Now that I've betrayed. But I don't obviously I don't think that's going to happen soon. But I I, I like both kind of visions. Um, but with, with I it, think Moose yeah. is a shout. I think Moose is a good shout. I, I think I think whoever gets the Impact title, 
will either acquire all the belts with it, um, i.e. maybe like a New Japan star. Well, I know we thought Kota Ibushi, didn't we? That would still be quite cool. Obviously, now Kota Ibushi, Kota Ibushi isn't the champ in New Japan at the moment. Um, could he be by the time that, you know, no. But um, as it stands, obviously, it'd be Will Ospreay. That'd be cool. Imagine Will Ospreay having all the belts doing it for us Brits. Um, but I think, it, but if it's going to be an impact star taking off, I'd like to see, yeah, Moose, I think would be a good candidate. Speaking of New Japan, I'll just give uh, a little rundown. of It was New Japan. I mean, none of us have seen it yet because it was literally today, I think. Or was it last? Uh, either way. I think it was this morning. Uh, Wrestling Dontaku night one. I have seen one of the results. Uh, I won't spoil it. Um, but tomorrow is night two with... Uh, uh, Will Ospreay versus Shingo Tagagi, so we've we've got to watch that. If you're going to watch, uh, if you're going to watch the odd match this week, watch that one. Um, big couple of days for me because there's wrestling Dontaku for sure, and there's uh, there's DDT and um, TJPW are running running really big shows this this weekend. Well, not this weekend. It's not a weekend, is it? Midweek. So yeah, over the next couple of days, I will be. I'll be in my little wrestling cave, and I've already uh, been watching old WCW Nitros, so I've got <laughs> so much to watch. I've got a Noah pay-per-view to watch, and there's... Did you see that... Um, I don't know what it's called. Like It's got the word Satsuma in, but it was a show that New Japan run. Um, it was a two-day show. And one of them... I, I, again, I haven't seen the result of this. It was uh, Toriano defending his... Um, <clears throat> his King of Pro Wrestling 2021 title against Evil in a darkness creation match or something like that where they and they they literally wouldn't reveal which it was up until the show I think so it was either they had to blindfold their opponent before they could pin them there'd be four blindfolds one on each corner and they had to get a blindfold and blindfold their opponent or the lights in the, in the in the venue would be turned off and on periodically <laughs> and it's like what the fuck is this like okay. uh gato's on acid isn't he <laughs> like, <booking this. laughs> like you can see why for one thing you can see why people are saying the booking has gone downhill for another that's subjective and i fucking love this shit <laughs> 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 Well, at least some Japanese crazy shit in there. Maybe they, they yeah, right? I don't know how, how the viewing ship is in, in Japan or how strong DDT is compared to them or if there are a lot of people now watching DDT for the shenanigans, if they yeah. want to open up a little more to it. I don't know. But, I mean, yeah, because uh, one of the... I think it was a wrestling Dantaki Night 1 that's that's gone today, so I don't know. There was, there was something like... Uh, a finger of doom ladder match between <laughs> um between tai chi and i think tamatonga i think it was so i mean i your guess is as good as mine i've got no idea what the fuck that is i'm gonna have to go watch it so, <laughs> possibly tonight but yeah that uh that just brings about about brings us to the end of our show it i mean it was a long road getting here this week uh well last week and this week trying to get this recorded we have a lot of technical difficulties but it led to the three of us all being together so that was nice Free best yes, friends finally. that anybody could have. <laughs> We're the free best friends <laughs> that anybody could have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that Patrick like, did it. Jack started it, I did it, and then Patrick was just like, yes. <laughs> Serious German finishing it off. <laughs> yes, I'm very happy too. Yes. <laughs> this is more Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I am ecstatic. <laughs> this is my happy face. I'd like to shout out, though, our increasing listenership, especially in America. 
and especially in New Jersey. New Jersey. So shout out to all our New Jersey listeners. Mate, mate, Jack, I I swear, right? I had planned for this, but you know, stuff happened. You know, stuff got in the way. This week, I was going to make it New Jersey Appreciation Week, and I was going to list off all the achievements from New Jersey nights <laughs> that I found on Wikipedia. <laughs> and seeing as next week is Blood and Guts, right? So we can't do it next week because it will be a special episode. The week after, calling it now, New Jersey Appreciation Week. We're going to celebrate. You've got two weeks to get excited. We're going to celebrate all that is good about New Jersey and none of the bad that, uh, you know, the fake tan and all that that gets the bad press. We're going to celebrate the good. And, uh, <laughs> celebrate the good. <laughs> and, and shamelessly pander to our, so to our demographics. First hand off everything. It. <laughs> oh, fucking boring. I've been once as well. Oh. <sighs> I just find okay, it funny nice. because New Jersey, even though it is our biggest audience, they, they still only make up a quarter. So they're still three quarters of our listeners who are just going to be so, listening to a New Jersey appreciation episode. That's now. fucking mental, though. <laughs> 25% of our listeners are from New Jersey for a little a Europe-based <laughs> podcast. So shout that's out wild! Shout out to all of you. We respect you. We rate you. If you want us to do merch, hit us up on our you socials. You in the house. I, I'm, no, I'm, no, but... I'd love to do a hat. I think hat. that's the only New Jersey I saw. <laughs> but, but for real, uh, slide in our DMs at WANK Podcast on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Tom, Tom and... did tell me during the week for every listener that slides in our DMs, he'll PayPal you a tenner. And that is confirmed. I so fucking... Did I... Did I... I, I, I did, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get it agreed on now. <laughs> I tell you... I, no, no, I better not. <laughs> I was like, I tell you what, for the next week, one pound. But then they're going to tell a friend, and they're going to tell a friend, and suddenly I owe two hundred pounds to fucking hey, who, randoms. In who like, wants a free quid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, just just like, just send a message to this guy, and, you got, and then it's fucking viral. Someone posts it on Reddit, and I'm fucked. And all, I've got all no the, money. All of a sudden, you owe two hundred thousand pounds to just all these randomers. But hey, the fucking get yeah, my kneecaps broken. <laughs> By a loan shark. <laughs> you you only <owe> quit. <laughs> Just had to think about Family Guy when when uh, Stewie is is uh, almost killing Brian because of also money he's owing. <laughs> oh wow, yeah. oh, that's funny. But yeah, shout out to shout out to the new listeners. I hope you're enjoying it. And if you've got anything you specifically you- want us to shout out or recommend or anything you want us to do we'll do it just for a small price don't do anything nazi related just because i'm german it doesn't mean anything that's very defensive of you patrick do you know do you know the the one thing that makes people make me think they are a nazi is when they say i'm definitely not a nazi don't say anything nazi related yeah it's like like everyone said that you know the the americans and the russians came and everyone switched on the lights and like i was in the resistance don't shoot at me everyone's saying Uh, that but there's proof it wasn't like that I really need to get my soundpad fixed, man, because I've got a siren for you with your name on it. Um, <laughs> Alarm. I know what that was, but it's getting cut. Um, I'm going to send you this. This is a German, like the few German listeners we have, they, they would uh, will probably have laughed now because Alarm is a very interesting, famous scene from a porn, but I'm going to send you that oh <laughs> later. You know. <laughs> Oh. We, we we got so close to the end of the show without any ridiculous shenanigans <laughs> and now look at us um, we should probably let everyone go and get on with their evenings and not listen to us talk, yes. talking about porn anymore so uh, in, in general like in, in special you know <laughs> did we did we ha- did I invent a sign off 
I've forgotten. Last time you Liam signed off, didn't he, with a joke? Oh yeah. It didn't um, go down too well. <laughs> no. I should I should I, I think I won on the fly. Uh oh no, that's I was gonna do Jerry Springer's, like take care of yourselves and each other. Um Yeah. I'll just bye. <laughs> <laughs>